Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. And we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. And joining us today for this episode, episode 7, Bullock Returns to the Camp, please welcome to the show special guest, Emily. Yay! Hello! Hey! Hi! Thanks for having me. Very happy that you are here. Can you explain to to us your experience with Deadwood? Yes, I am a newbie watching along with you guys. (gasps) Yay! Gasp! Gasp. I I thought maybe I'd watch sometime and knew that there was a podcast coming out, so I'm like, all right, I'm watching it. So I am. Here I am. (laughs) And you're liking it? Yeah, I am. I'm liking it a lot. Cool. Do you have a favorite character? Yeah, Jane. Yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. I suspect so much. Although I don't look anything up on the internet about the show, trying to stay clean. <laughs> you mentioned in your feedback one time that Western's not a genre that you tend to gravitate towards. No, not at all. But I also <laughs> mentioned that I usually enjoy it when I do, so I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that naturally speaks to me that I seek out. Sure. Is this the kind of Western you were expecting? Um, sure. Yeah. You think so? I find that a lot of people don't want to watch the show because they don't like Westerns, and then they find out that it's not really, doesn't have the the trappings of traditional Westerns, and so it's... I guess I think a lot of um, duels and things, but I didn't really think of that. Okay. Maybe I didn't have enough preconceived notions. I find a lot of people that say they don't like Westerns really have never given them a chance. Hmm. Yeah, it's probably true. Having, you know, when I was little, there were a lot of reruns on TV of old movies. We had certain channels had, that's pretty much all they had all day. So if you were homesick or something like that, you ended up watching a lot of old movies. And they were all Westerns, or a lot of them. There were a lot of Westerns made back in the day. And so it was really strange when, my son was growing up and stuff, and I realized that he just hadn't seen Westerns. And the idea that, you know, a kid could grow up not really seeing a Western was just so weird to me. But mm. they hadn't really been, they haven't been made the same, you know, no. just hasn't. And so people, I could see people having this idea of what a Western is and not really knowing how, how diverse the genre really can be. It's not all John Wayne. No, I'll get your wagons in a circle, Pilgrim. (laughs) (laughs) Even John Wayne, um, some of his movies, later on, his movies got a little more diverse. I mean, there was still John Wayne, but no. No, there's uh, spaghetti westerns that were just cranked out and inauthentic and, you know, back in the day. Well, I'm not sure any of them were really authentic too much. (laughs) 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 They were pretty much their own... uh, very romanticized. Yeah, they were their own fantasy, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's why I, I never got into them, is because they d- did not seem realistic. They seemed too romanticized. Mm. And white hats, black hats. Yeah. And I like more ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And I just tend to gravitate toward more modern things. And also... And if I want to go in back into the past, I'm going to go farther back to like Renaissance and Middle Ages stuff. Old West is so dirty. <laughs> and it's all covered in dust. Yeah. <laughs> dust and dirt and muck. Nothing to look at. 
that the ambiguity thing really it was much more you know the Clint Eastwood you know spaghetti westerns that were very very definitely started the ambiguous sort of thing in westerns mm. no i like i like the deadwood stuff the era and everything i have a rich ancestry of you know like mormon pioneers i have you know like great grandmothers that crossed the plains you know it was a little before this era maybe 20 30 years mm-hmm. not quite sure but mm-hmm. it's and it's something that you know, it was a part of my past and my family and my culture. And so, you know, this is, this, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. I found this article from NPR, actually was posted in our Facebook group. It was about the end of Justified. It's about the vanishing Western genre. And this person writes that the Western is the great American epic. It's our exodus, our origin story as a nation. It's always had a lot of impact on the culture. But what happened is back in the 1960s, the emerging civil rights movements, feminism, and rising awareness of Native American issues helped make Westerns look outdated, sexist, and racist, leading to the decline of the genre through the 1970s. Oh, remember the good old days, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And then they single out here, Deadwood, which aired from 2004 to 2006, remains the best postmodern Western set in the Old West on television, bringing a gritty realism and willingness to subvert classic character types. Hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the episode, and Emily's not going to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, are we going to mention that Emily will disappear for a little while? Bye, Emily. Yeah, in my introduction, I was going to say, like, um, you're hearing me now, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, let's lift the veil to the to the podcasting world here and just say that due to some scheduling issues this recording... We did things out of order. Emily wasn't here for part of the recording, so you're going to hear her disappear for the recap uh, and then come back towards the end. The last time that we had some issues with the recording, I did a lot of editing to make it seem like the guest was here for the entire uh, duration, but I'm not going to do that this time because it just it took too long. I think that is very unnecessary. So, yeah, yeah, I was gone. I'm just, guys, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just... I'm worn out. I just can't oh, anymore. No. We broke him. I'm, you did I'm do broken. No. And I'm, I've got to learn to be less of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just can't. So <laughs> that's what's happening. So you don't want to record sound bites of me going, yes. Mm. No. I agree. I <laughs> Very the, interesting. Even through the Carol soundboard in the trash, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, for today's installment of Reader's Theater, the lovely Nuchas has recorded something for us. So let's have a listen to Saturday Evening in Deadwood. Saturday Evening in Deadwood, July 10, 1877, Black Hills Daily Times. To the editor of the Times. It is Saturday, the last day of the week, and it is almost gone. The weather is agreeably warm. As night advances, the sound of joyous life rises more distinctly. The constant march of hundreds, yes, thousands, invites us to Main Street. We are not particular as to dress. The crowd is great and compact. Style and polish of our boots pass unheeded. Our shirt may have one button or none. We are a mining camp where individual rights are respected, but where title and etiquette are ignored. Our compact and active city is located in a mining gulch of some 300 feet wide and one and a half to two miles long. 
varying and winding and of irregular evening years we are flanked by high and abrupt hills whose sides are shaded by dark pine trees on which are sheltered handsome residences cabins and tents to half their altitude two streams course the deadwood and the whitewood gulches the solitude of our place or mine these streams join hands in lee street underneath wheeler's shoe store and mingle socially if not brightly or clearly <laughs> but we are on main street and it is saturday night the return and weekly clean-up of fifty claims has been made and the dust transferred to the buckskin purses of the miners and to the larger wallets of the owners Custom and instinct forces us closer to the voluptuous swell of music from the balconies of our two variety theaters, situated directly opposite each other. It is a free blow, and well to the immense crowd, that jab and pack the sidewalks and street from curb to curb, enjoy the exciting competition that is politely yet determinedly sustained by each of these temples of amusement. We notice a pensive smile on the faces of many as some familiar air is played by either band. Poor fellows. They have seen better days. But thus far their anticipations in the hills have not been realized. There are men there, too, whose birth and respectability were not questioned, who had good homes, and many of those men may here be destitute and without a living. Who knows? Time makes all things even. The bands of music are withdrawn to entertain the actual patrons inside. Those on the outside scatter in all directions. The greater portion on to the take-to, the gambling houses. We move with the crowd. The bars are doing only late business, while the faro, roulette, kino, and poker tables are crowded, a fraction of whom, however, only are playing. Drinks in some of our saloons are reduced to 50 cents or two for 25 cents, and white chips 10 cents. The proprietors, though, studded and brilliant in appearance, are accommodating, and those who regularly jubilee are in hopes that no changes will be made in the two-stamp bourbon. These reductions in two of our staples would imply that money is scarce and that many of us are poor. Who will contradict it? We keep along more quietly, close order more music we linger we love music and there are many very fine performers among us this is the senate and killarney lake is appreciated by the great and orderly mass of people within its canvas walls as it escapes from the practice box of professor fisher to give way to the last rose of summer we are now on the home stretch and swing around into lee street crowds everywhere more music the blue danube and kiss waltz few can pass here without entering it is the bonanza dance hall professor joe's gandalf furnishes the sweet and delightful music we hear on with the dance let joy be unconfined we return after three hours of observation and enjoyment to our humble retreat complimenting the miners and people on their good order and sociability unfold our blanket and lay down amidst visions of the past signed twr hey thank you for reading that nutty thank you, thank you nutty. What, what does it mean to have one button or none that it, does, it means exactly what it means does everybody's going around with like half hey, open we or don't we shirts? don't look down our noses on people who don't have very many bu- buttons <laughs> yeah, you can have zero fault. buttons, you can have one button, you can have ten buttons. You can't afford just, to have a full button shirt. Just everybody's bare in their hairy chests 
Yeah, each other. they're their sexy, yeah. hairy chests. We're just not uptight about buttons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, the um, men exposing their chest was considered almost as indecent as women exposing their chests. So it was <laughs> scandalous. Tell that to the old man who lives on my block, who <laughs> does not wear a shirt sometimes. I said back then. Yes. What What is it with old um, men out of shape going shirtless? They have no shame. I've heard I that guess they, they just lose shame. Yeah, I've heard that they do that at the gym too, where they just like walk around naked and they just there's no shame there. <laughs> A locker room. Yeah. Hmm. Well, stop it. <laughs> That's what I say. Stop it. I think the older you get, the less you care about who sees your body. Now, it must be it's just a kind of I've lived this long. I I've stopped caring. Yeah, I feel <laughs> what that the world thinks. Yeah, everyone should get to see my body because I feel like uh, I don't know. I just feel like some people just stop. Well, maybe it's not just like the older you get, the less you care. I don't know. Maybe it's just I, certain people just don't care. I think it also goes in in waves and and depends on culture and stuff. Maybe as far as you know, going shirtless and all. I I think I. It seems like when I was a kid and uh, there, it was just like not that as big a deal. Like when I was a teenager and stuff, uh, boys with their shirts off and stuff was pretty common. And now it actually seems like we're a little less so. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. I don't know. It's just, so. I like in this little editorial. They talk about the streams going through the town and co-mingling and yeah. like, shaking hands. Like, how do you do, stream? How do you do? There was a lot more floral <laughs> or <flying. laughs> yeah. things like this back then. Yeah. I feel like that guy was probably, like, it just seems like he he was high on something when he wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, or trying to put some kind of positive spin on <laughs> on something. Don't know. It, just, it just seems so rose-colored. It's very yes. pretty. Yeah. And yeah. it just doesn't seem realistic at all. That's why. Come oh, yeah. join us. Join I, us in our revelry. <laughs> yeah, it almost <laughs> seems like... It, revelry. <laughs> it almost seems like it's an advertisement to get people to... Oh. oh. Maybe that's what it was, like a touristic advertisement. He was the, yeah, he was the tourism guy for yeah. Deadwood. Come and check yeah. out our shirtless men and our <laughs> many <mini-bitters. laughs> yeah. yeah, was Everybody has fun here. <laughs> Cheap drinks. Cheap drinks, shirtless men. <laughs> Very friendly streams. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. uh. <laughs> uh. Maybe it's like a thinly disguised, uh. Euphemism? <laughs> yeah, maybe. For something? Friendly stream? I don't know. <laughs> Inter- oh, inter- no. Do they even mention women at all in this? I don't think so. <laughs> no women. I That's... think they just discuss men the whole time. They mentioned voluptuous music <laughs> or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the. I don't know. Come make love to the music. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning more and more into an acid trip. <laughs> oh, by the way, we've got lots of acid. <laughs> lots of them. Uh, <laughs> Come to Deadwood to have some laudanum. You'll be making love to the music and the st- the streams <laughs> running through the town. Uh, oh. 
Uh-huh. So I'm just imagining someone reading that and then coming to Deadwood and then they find him a couple days later naked in the in the stream. He's like, <laughs> I had the full Deadwood experience. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Guys, you were right. The Deadwood experience. This was great. Yeah. But in his fist, he's like, I got a closed fist. And in, in his fist are like, just it's just a single button. <laughs> <laughs> is is the blue Danube waltz? Is that the one that goes da 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 da? Yeah. So I'm just imagining him in the stream going da 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 da. Wallowing in the stream. <laughs> uh, he's got his one button clasped in his hand. Yeah. I escaped button. with my button intact. This is episode 7 of season 1. Bullock Returns to the Camp, written by Jody Wirth, directed by Michael Engler. Original air date, May 2nd, 2004. It is nighttime. Seth, Charlie, and Charlie's three mules ride into some sort of fort or encampment. They inquire about Jack McCall under, under the pretense of buying his horse. A man tells them that the jerk is in the bunkhouse. Seth goes inside, calls out Jack's name, and we see a bunch of men scurry out. They're outskis. <laughs> Seth pistol whips Jack in the back of the head, ties him to a horse, and he and Charlie take the cocksucker to Yankton. The episode is titled Bullock Returns to the Camp, and I was like, it, I thought he was returning to Deadwood, like, immediately. I was yeah. like, oh, they didn't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> As advertised, and then I was like, oh, this isn't Deadwood, and then I was like, I wrote, never mind, lies! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I just th- thought uh, they did a nice job on, on making Bullock look Jet, basically the worst for wear. Just mm-hmm. look like in his normal, well put together self when he rides in there. And I also thought it was cool that that McCall has probably been there for a few hours, and he's already just known as that jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a question. When he said uh, I had, when they were inquiring about the horse. And then, I forget who said it, someone said, I had a happy, just like that. Does that mean he had a boner? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What did it mean back then? I I assumed a happy was some sort of slang for a pony or something, but I tried looking it up, I couldn't find anything. A happy, Hmm. I had a happy. Yeah, I I kind of was thinking that it was probably some kind of horse. Maybe the horse was happy? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was called happy? Happy the horse? <laughs> yeah. When I typed in happy horse, all I got were some... <laughs> Pictures of happy How horse. do I know if my horse is happy? Questions <laughs> like... <laughs> oh my god! Do, ho- do horses smile and stuff like that? I didn't... <laughs> How do I know if my horse is happy? <laughs> oh. What happens next? Dan is creeping on Veronica Mars is what happens next, according to my notes. Yes, we go to the gem. It is daytime in the gem. Miles and Flora, two new characters, are asking Dan Doherty about their father, Henry Anderson. I don't know who plays Miles, but the actress who plays Flora is Kristen Bell, probably best known for her role as the record executive's daughter in the movie Pootie Tang. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, if you say so. <laughs> what else was she in? Veronica Mars, apparently, which yeah, I've never heard of it. I've <laughs> never seen it. No? I've no. heard about it. I've heard it's good and it people I'm joking. I I have heard of it. She was uh <clears throat> also in Heroes. She's oh, been gosh. in lots of stuff. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. These kids <laughs> reminded me She's of She's in a... something now, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Is she? I think so, but I whatever it is, I don't watch it. So she was in that Don Cheadle thing on Showtime. <laughs> thing. <laughs> there, I'll look it Don up. Don Cheadle Pro- But also Tech. Uh this these kids reminded me of a Briscoe County junior plot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, the one with harmony. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. That's, That's a classic right. episode wow. of Briscoe. Good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad to see her show up because, as Matt knows, I was uh, spoiled on her being in this just about a week or two ago, oh. and uh, by my friend, and um, so. And you're no longer friends. <laughs> I hope you aren't. <laughs> well, we've been friends since I was 13, so it's real. we were both 13, so it's kind of hard to stop now. Over- it should be over because of that. So you have a blo- <laughs> basically like a blood pact with her. You can't break it. <laughs> she apologized. She, is, she, well, she should. She should feel bad. This will not stand. Our friendship is over. <laughs> she, she didn't realize. I kept saying to her, no, I'm a newbie. You can't, don't spoil me. And then a little later on, she was like, oh, well, it's just that blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you're talking about, because she said, the girl from Veronica Mars. And, well, there were lots of girls on Veronica Mars. It took place <laughs> in the high school. Yeah. So I didn't realize she was talking about Kristen Bell until she made it extremely clear. Like, Stop that. Yeah. That is like, yeah. Oh, Cut it out, lady. Whoever you are, if you're listening to this podcast, you should really be ashamed of yourself. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Carol doesn't like you anymore. (laughs) Yes, I believe that. (laughs) Nobody listens that uh, knows me. No one listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares about this. Just say what we're all thinking. One of the actors in this scene uh, is Clay Wilcox who played Bernard Renault in Twin Peaks. He was also the guy on the jury, on the uh, McCall jury. He was the one who insulted Bill in the streets, said he wanted to see Bill shot and killed in the camp. He's oh. playing this uh, drunk here. He's telling the kids that your papa probably ain't here, or oh words to goodness. that effect. Yeah, he's slightly wall-eyed. I was like, yeah. I, I was like, this guy, his I know. face is recognizable. I know. Where do I know And him you've from? mentioned it before. Yeah. I know this, but I just, I never realized I think that this is the first time we got a close-up of his face, and yeah. I did recognize his face. Yeah. Still yeah I, I couldn't place him. Oh, I don't know him. He's got the worst French accent. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Christian Bell right now is on House of Lies, if anybody watches that. No. I prefer House of Cards. Yeah. I, I prefer Cards to Lies. lies. <laughs> I prefer also... Cards to Lies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she was also on Play It Again, Dick. What? And Parks and Recreation. Yeah, she was. She played the one from Eagleton. And Eagleton. Unsupervised and Gossip Girl and Burning so, Love. So many shows I don't watch. And lots and lots and lots of others. I'm just like picking out bits. I think she's of- she's made it her goal to be in every show I don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of shows. 
Not as seen Parks and Rec. I was like, oh my goodness, she's so young. I saw the very first episode of Parks and Rec and I didn't continue. I don't know why. I guess it didn't catch me. Yeah, I've I've never seen any Parks and Rec. Oh, it's fantastic. I hear it gets really good, but yeah. Yeah, I hear it's very good. I just. It's one of the the sweetest shows. Just characters that you just love because they're good people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gives me all the feels, as the kids say. The fuzzies. Aww. So Miles is looking for work. Al comes downstairs. He says the girl can find work here. But Miles says, no, sir, she shall not. <laughs> Al apologizes and gives Miles a job sweeping. It's going to be sweeping. So what is up with Dan being all creepy and, like, rubbing the girl's fingers? It's gross. Well, did you notice how when she showed him the photograph, she backed into him? Yeah. No. She's like, he yeah. wanted us. He wanted just to take the photo, but she says, "Oh, don't take the photo. It's been held and shown so many times; it's falling apart. I'm gonna hold on to it, but I'm gonna back right into you, into yeah. your chest, into your arms, and have you like you know hold me while I show you the photo. Put my butt on your thigh. I mean, she's she's clearly playing him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially thinking about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at first I thought it was a little a little odd. The way she was, you know, her yeah, exactly and... what you were saying. The way she was kind of putting herself way too close to the guy. But then once she turns out to be a grifter, it's like, oh, well, that makes all makes a lot of sense now. At the pest tents, the Reverend puts a damp cloth on Joey's forehead. Oh. Jo- Joey is covered in, in pustules. Blah. Yeah. The Reverend explains to Jane that the cloth gives Joey some relief, but now he's off to Brom Garrett's funeral. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Finally. What's uh, left of him? Because <laughs> yeah. the man will not pass up a good funeral. Oh, <laughs> uh, they no. probably had to, like, take his remnants out of the, the, the creek and, like, strain them out. And <laughs> glad we didn't have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Andy Crane is symptom-free. Jane wishes him good luck. He says the same to her. <laughs> and then he apologizes. <laughs> I apologize. Well, she asks him, uh, one of these days you're going to have to tell me what, what weighs so heavy on you that you have to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't uh, sharing at that point. Nope. That is a really disgusting disease, though. I have mm-hmm. to say, like, just every time they show it, it's just disgusting. Mm. Yeah. you got to feel bad for those people. Oh, yeah. In the hotel, Trixie watches Saul pull up in his wagon. Alma observes that Saul is a bit sweet on our Trixie. Aww. Trixie says that when they leave the hotel, Al will be watching, and Alma makes a crack. Shall I reel and stagger? Then she's appalled by what she just said. But Trixie says, ah, this just means you're feeling better. Mm -hmm. And then when Saul comes inside, uh, Alma watches Trixie and Saul in her mirror and smiles to herself because she's playing matchmaker. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker. <laughs> I love this moment where Alma catches herself. Mm. I hope this; these are not anyone's quotes. But she says, "Shall I reel and stagger?" And then she says, "Oh God, I'm I'm so sorry. I can't imagine why I would make light of this when I know how this has put you at risk with Swearingen." Mm. And Trixie's like, "Don't worry about it. Just means you're feeling better." Yeah, but then she still goes and acts normal, even though she knows that that's... Well, she apparently looked to see if he was watching, <laughs> yeah, she didn't look very I mean, well. She should realize at this point that Al has 
toadies everywhere because. Well, he saw the, her himself. <laughs> I know, but just even the toadies would be reporting mm. back and saying she looks like she's feeling better. Mm-hmm. So. Al watches Alma, Trixie, and Saul drive off. Al asks E.B. why the widow ain't high, even though E.B. has been reporting that she is. But E.B. changes the subject because he knows he's being used as a pawn to get that gold claim. Al tells him if he can secure, secure the claim, he'll get a percentage of the take. 2% of the first million, half a percent thereafter. <laughs> Oh, I loved his face. Oh my god, the best thing ever. Uh, the, the quote that came here when he talked about his sweaty palms brought me such joy. Yeah. <laughs> and then his face afterwards. His face, like, it was like a happy puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want a screen cap of that face. We need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we also learned that it's been ten days since Trixie has been with Alma. Ten? So we can figure that at some point, there's been a massive time jump. Yeah. I would, I would think between the last episode and this one. So yeah. Brom has been in the river for almost two weeks? Yes, it's been almost two weeks since the pilot. Jeez. No, since, two weeks since the pilot. So I would say, yeah, he's probably been in there for... At least a week. 10, 10 to 12 days. Oh, God, yeah. Gross. That makes sense. So yeah. gross. Because Trixie, Trixie did not even immediately go over to Alma after Brom died. No. It was like a day or two later. Right. So if it's been, if she's been with Alma for 10 days, then oh. yeah, it's been like 12 days since Brom was killed oh. in that creek. Yikes. <clears throat> His skin probably like sloughed away. No. <laughs> well, you figure there's fish probably in the creek, so they've been eating him. Oh, gross. So huh. gross. I would think. Like He's probably and, some sort of moss man at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and water water and dead flesh don't, you know, I mean, they do go well together as far as nature is concerned, but, yeah. you know, not as far as preservation goes. No. I guess it's, it's because it's, it's uh, they put in there because it's cold, fast-moving water, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's cooler, so it'd keep him cooler. I mean, it's, there's no good... Somebody dies when it's not the middle of winter time. Yeah. All I can think about is the scene from The Walking Dead, um, <laughs> where they find a zombie in a well and it's all bloated oh. from being in the water. And then Oops. when they get it out of the well, it like pulls its, it's like comes apart. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. That. <clears throat> like a soggy piece of bread. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Water helps dead things break down pretty quickly, so... I'm hungry. There's... <laughs> I'm so sad to hear that. <laughs> um, soggy bread. Yeah. <laughs> but that he... Bullock left Deadwood right after the trial was over. Mm-hmm. He got in the fight with um, the Indian guy... Last episode. So he's healed. Then they start riding. So between the last episode and this episode, there had to be time for them to ride to whatever fort or encampment or whatever that was where they found McCall. And then during this episode, they had to have time to take him to Yankton and get back to um, Deadwood, wherever Yankton is. I tried yeah. to pick up, but trying to to piece together the the time of how long it took Bullock to get where he went and got back 
it's a little confusing. All I could think is that maybe during that whole span of time, he was looking for McCall and couldn't find him. But he didn't really go very far, distance-wise. He went maybe a couple different places. Yeah, and the, then where he found McCall was close to camp. It didn't, matter. it didn't matter if it was close to camp because they took him to Yankton after they found him. So could there have could the time could the time jump have happened after they got McCall and when they faded out to black and then faded back into <laughs> the gem? Could that have been where there was the time jump? I thought I thought there was a time jump there. Yeah, that then then that would have explained how he got back so so fast. Yeah. yeah, I had assumed that there was a time okay time jump right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Flora is at the Bella Union showing the photograph of her father to Sai. Sai gets the whole sob story. Before introducing Flora to the maestro, Joni. Mm. I have down here that, like, the sharks are gathering around Veronica Mars. Mm. When she was in the middle and the sigh and, and what's her name? And Joni. Joni and the, the other guy were all, like, in this circle around her. It was just like, ooh, and they're like predators all around her. At the cemetery outside of town, Brom Garrett is being laid to rest. Crevlorn Swath is putting flowers on the graves of her deceased family. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was kind of sad slash cute. Yeah. Yeah. So the kid now, the kid definitely knows what happened to her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah. Very sad. E.B. approaches Alma about the claim. She rejects his offer of 19500 immediately. Funeral. I mean, really, such terrible timing. It's because he saw Seth coming. Yeah, I get it. Seth is back, and that he wants to try and close the deal before Seth gets involved. But come on, like that's going to happen at the funeral. Does he look like a man with scruples? (laughs) Does Uh, he look like a man with brains? Nope. I don't know. It's just. Truly, I thought that was the most, you know, he really was, I mean, I get it that he's desperate, but come on. Yeah, I know. It's bad taste. It's not going to work. I mean, besides being bad taste, it's just, it's it's not going to work. It's just going to make her not want to see him and be annoyed with him. So, bad business. Yep. Maybe he wants Al to fail secretly, though. (laughs) But then he doesn't, you know, 2% of nothing is nothing. Mm. And he definitely wants money. Yeah. Well, he's probably just stupid then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's just got no sense at all. Yeah. Well, we get a shot of Charlie and Seth writing in. Charlie isn't ready to see Bill just yet. Hmm. Yeah. This graveyard gets a lot of use. It does, doesn't it? I was just thinking, how many funerals have we scene and it's only episode seven mm-hmm. well the reverend's happy about that yeah he is isn't he business yeah. is booming <laughs> Ugh. i don't know that he's really happy about it no i think he is he always looks happy whenever he's doing his reverend whenever people duties. die he's like "Ooh, more <laughs> funeral <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> i think that- I, mean, I mean he's he's happy that he's able to help but i don't think he's happy about people dying um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't like the Reverend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about that while I was watching it. I was like, that's right. People don't like him. I don't know. I don't... He doesn't bother me. He seems... He's weird, but 
that never bothered me. So I, oh, I kind of like him. Oh, yeah. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't dislike him. I'd probably. I'd be like Seth. I just want to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just seething with rage. <laughs> I guess what I like about him is when the doc is so not is blunt. He's blunt, not rude. Then he will say things like "God damn it," and but no offense t- in- intended. And the Reverend never takes offense to whatever the doc says, yeah. whatever Alice said to him. It's just like the the Reverend just kind of rolls with it. Yeah, because, he doesn't take offense at anything, anything. Yeah, as ever. Yeah, yeah, never, and I like that. Yeah, he never. He, know, he knows good people from bad people, and it doesn't matter how how profane you are. If you're a good person, that comes through, and he sees that, and I guess that's why I like the Reverend. Yeah, I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen him be like uh, mad or at anyone, or he's always he's always the same. Except for you've got to give him that. Except for he when he was, be... he was accused of being drunk in this episode, and he's like, "They're like, are you drunk?" He's like, "No," <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of put on a stern face a little bit. That was about it. That's the worst I've seen. Yeah, but he hasn't been judgmental. Yeah, no, which no. is something that no, um, they could have easily written the reverend as as judgmental or rude to Saul for being Jewish, trying to convert him or something to Christianity. That hasn't happened, so he's kind yeah. of a weirdo, but I kind of like him. Yeah, he's not that kind of a. I mean this this guy, you definitely get the feeling he he went through some stuff, and and he's. I mean, at least I do. I get the idea that he's gone through some stuff and he has kind of come to this very non-judgmental, love everybody, help everybody sort of place. Kind of 1960s hippie guy, actually. You know what? I bet he's not even a real reverend. I bet he just took this up recently. He feels like he's new at this and that he's just like, he's not an actual trained Reverend. Oh, I I think you're probably right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. was it established that he became a reverend uh, during the war, during the Civil War? I'm not sure. There was he found God then. There was something about the Civil War with him. I mean, well, just but, that he was in it, I think. But I yeah, yeah. Most most all most of these guys were. I mean, you could definitely stay out of the Civil War. It wasn't like World War II or something. But you know, depending on where you were living, you could definitely stay out of it. But an awful lot of people were pulled into it. Mm. You know, the only thing that that really bothers me about the Reverend, though, is just the fact that he's so, he's intense, and he just doesn't, he's just seems like, just almost like crazy. Yeah, just like, I think he's he doesn't, crazy. Like, he's just like so intense about things, and it's almost like he expects people to to see what he sees, you know, and it's... He, I don't know if he really realizes that he's the only one of the whole town, pretty much, that sees what he sees. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, in a way, he kind of does. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking also about the fact that he's chatting with God and stuff. Yeah. Um, he recognizes that other people aren't doing that. Yeah. But I have a feeling he's pretty well aware that he... I mean, he looks around and he sees people killing each other. Yeah. Really easily. Yeah. And I would assume that he's kind of rejected that. Yeah. It's almost a fact of life back then, though. People killing each other. 
in places like Deadwood, yeah, there there were some pretty brutal places around, but not every place was like that. Well, back at the gem, we get more of Dan being concerned about the poor, innocent Flora. Mm-hmm. Al calls Miles over. He wants to show him the titty liquor <laughs> because specialists pay a premium and don't cause a fuss. That's pretty funny. Oh, Al was... asks Miles if his sister might consider working at the gem, and Miles says once again, no, sir. And Al is like, I'm just kidding. Again, kidding, joking. Sort of. <laughs> I love these. I love these little bits of Al Swearengen's business sense. You yes, know? the way he looks at business and the way he looks at uh, his customers. Yeah, <laughs> when these people. Not- yeah, people who have kinks. If you let them do their kinks, they won't cause you any trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when he's not being like absolutely a horrific human being, he really, you know, these other little insights into him are always really fun sorry though i love this customer i love okay. him having contests with himself about <laughs> licking all these titties <laughs> he's like oh, i'm gonna do this once a day if i fail i gotta leave <laughs> <laughs> does he does he literally run yeah, is that what they said he needs to run by booby liquor he right? just runs by and if he, he misses runs one, by that is awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh, so david milch says the character of the titty licker, who shows up very briefly in the middle of the first season, is a character I made up on the set. I just said whatever came to my fucking mind. The kid that we cast to be the titty licker was an extra who turned out to have a lisp. The minute I heard him speak, I said, "Well, the titty licker's going to have to be mute." So all you see is him. All you see him do is run past these horrors. Houses of prostitution are like an amusement park where you can behave like kids. The ride over there—that's the titty licker's ride. <laughs> <laughs> So how was church today, Emily? (laughs) (laughs) There was none of that. Yeah, there's probably no titty licking. (laughs) Church was fine. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just. If ever there is a church where people do that, you're going. No. That's the church you'll, you'll choose to attend. That's the church I'll choose to, well, avoid, but maybe, like, look upon from a distance. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Quite Google search. Yeah. Did you like a church? Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Deadwood's first prostitutes rode into town in August 1876 on the same wagon train that carried Wild Bill Hickok. Mostly gathered in a series of brick houses on Lower Main Street, dubbed the Badlands, Prostitutes maintained a visible presence in Deadwood until 1980, when the last of the city's brothels were shut down. Whoa. An estimated 50,000 prostitutes worked in the Western territories of the U.S. the second half of the 19th century. Prostitutes probably took in about $1.50 per trick, often paid in gold dust. Proprietors like Al Swearingen made as much as 5000 per night. In Deadwood, respectable ladies would avoid the downtown stores on Monday afternoon when the prostitutes were known to do their shopping. A career in prostitution lasted only two or three years, and suicide rates among the women were very high. Wow. Why did it only last that long? Because they died of diseases, probably? Or or suicide. Or suicide. <laughs> hmm. Or just got so diseased they were no longer desirable. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you just get tired of the life. But it's so glamorous. Life. You choose to behind. <laughs> 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 Anybody else have any thoughts on this amusing scene? 
<laughs> I love just you. that it's amusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I want him to return. I yeah, want I want I want him, this guy to be a recurring. I want to know his high score every every episode. <laughs> 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 I got a five out of six today. <laughs> Better luck tomorrow. <laughs> if, if he invented this character on the set, I would think that we are going to have more amusing characters coming down the line. I hope we get like weird kinks every episode. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the opposite of this, you get like a, a run by dick slapper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Just trying to fair is fair. I'm trying to even things out. Yeah, true. (laughs) This show is immensely quotable, by the way, because we we are constantly quoting "I apologize." It's free free gratis lately. Is the quote that we've been doing? (laughs) Whenever we say, "Oh, it's free gratis." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. No, it's great. <laughs> In the hotel dining room, Seth tells Alma the fellow from Montana he trusted to assay her claim won't be coming. She's willing to let the whole issue slide, but he prefers to see things through. Seth asks her how hard they're coming at him. She tells him that she suspects Al used Trixie to indulge her with opium. Then she apologizes for how she's been acting since she began to abstain. He says, That's all right, you are changed, and she says, You are too. Oh, they're giving Ooh. each other the eyes. The googly eyes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you listen to Yes, Mother? Uh, Emily and I are like, uh, googly eyes. Googly eyes. <laughs> That's a thing. It's a bit on another podcast. <laughs> that's what my, my dad has said that. Yeah, that's your, a, that's your dad's thing. Since I was a child, he'd be like, anytime we watch a movie together as a family, he'd be like, no, nope, they've got googly eyes for each other. <laughs> <laughs> has he seen the Christopher Walken sketch from Saturday Night Live where he's putting googly eyes on pants? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, he has to watch it then. Just the way Christopher Walken says googly eyes is amazing. <laughs> googly eyes? I, these plants, I don't trust them. I put the googly eyes on them so I can look at them. Uh, David Milch says, Alma Garrett is born again in Deadwood. The sun has come up and she's either going to live or she's going to die. Her fool husband's been murdered. She's alone and drug addict. Probably 99 times out of 100, she'd have died. But this happened to be the one day that she didn't. I love seeing Alma sober. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. pretty great. I, I expect. I love her character arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I assume she's only going to get more impressive as she goes. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm assuming that. Yeah. That was a, that was a squee spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling she's going to be some somebody to reckon with. Hmm. Hmm. Mm, maybe <laughs> being all mysterious now. Keep, keep those squeeze in. <laughs> Stuff them down, way down inside. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts on Seth and Alma? Are we shipping these two I, already? Well, I wondered if there is something cooking between them. So will they? Won't they? Like will, will they? <laughs> they will. They will. They will. They By will. the end of the episode, I said yes. He's he's got a wife and kids back home that uh, he's looking to. When has that ever stopped anyone in the no, old west? Really. <laughs> no, he is quite a few miles from from home and it's Deadwood. Mm-hmm. There's no rules. 
heart wants. But also, he was nearly killed. I think when you have a brush with death, you mm-hmm. sometimes your inhibitions go out the the window because it's like live now, you may die yep. tomorrow. Yep, this is true. This is true. And the way he killed the the guy definitely has an effect on him. Besides having almost died himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, you know, Alma wants it because when Trixie accused her of it, she didn't deny it. Mm-hmm. Yep. She, I didn't, I didn't remember that. At the what? end of the episode, she like accused her of wanting to sleep with him, and she didn't deny it. So. Oh right, I was gonna re-listen to that that whole speech, and I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a lot packed into that. Even if she would have denied it, she could have been like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> could have meant the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we get our first look at the hardware store that's been built. It's really nice. It's looking really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really does. Sorry, what kind of finishing touches need to be done? It looks pretty done to me. Hmm. I don't know. Paint? Like, Paint? Saul, oh, maybe. Saul <laughs> was know. saying that uh, Seth needed to do some finishing touches, but... He le- just left one nail un- unhammered. <laughs> <laughs> just, aw, as a sign of, like, their true friendship. Yeah. Yeah, Little does he know it's the whole it's the the linchpin that holds the whole thing together. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna lean up against their their store. It's all gonna come down. <laughs> <laughs> Trixie comes in carrying Crevlorn Swath, and Saul <laughs> tells her anything she'd like to purchase is available at a hundred percent discount as part of their getting acquainted with those they'd like to get acquainted with sale. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wink. Yeah. It's available free gratis. Let's <laughs> put his cards on the table there. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else, does that kid's hair bother anybody else? No, in, in why? What way? It has just looked so fake from day one and it just bugs Is it? sometimes. Yeah. Mm, didn't look fake to me. I, I only t- notice her five head. <laughs> her what? Five heads? She has a, She's got five heads. She has a giant. <laughs> it's not a forehead, it's a five head. Uh, oh. <laughs> Is that what you call it? What is that? Somebody yeah. with a large forehead is a five head? Yes. What? I've never heard this. Explain. Hmm. Well, she needs bangs It's just then. more. You know, forehead. Yeah. It's just a plan. How does that make it a five head? It's bigger. It's bigger, I guess. I just, don't understand the five. It's just because four is all. Why not six? Why not seven? <laughs> well, I don't know. Because it's just one more. I don't Christina know. Ricci has a, an eight head. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Well, Mel, Mel, Mel comes from a whole family of three heads, so... Do I? <laughs> yes. Everyone what? in your family has a very low hairline. Hmm. Yeah, this interesting. <laughs> I am giving you the dirtiest look right now. Well, she needs to just wear bangs. The girl, Crevelon's wife. Because then we won't have to see her five head. It's just... I, I don't know that it's her forehead. It's just, you know, I, whether it's the hairline or the way they do her hair or maybe they dye it or maybe it's a wig. I don't know. But I just... Every time that kid is on the screen, I have a really hard time not staring at her hair and thinking, it just looks so wrong somehow. They did so, it really fancy for the funeral. Yeah. So it's only me. <laughs> She's things like, like hair and clothes are not things that I tend to notice in uh, television shows. On other podcasts, they they often reference like what they're what they're wearing, and oh, that was a yeah. crazy outfit, and it's, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I often don't, but every now and then something will just like slap me across the face. And her hair from the first episode, 
has just affected me the same way all the way through the series. I don't know. So it's just me. Okay. I can deal with that. <laughs> You're Googling five head, by the way. <laughs> Carol, Carol just wants to take the girl and shave her bald. <laughs> we just Googled five head. Yeah. What did you come up with? Lots of people with big foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> As expected. <Yep. laughs> so Charlie has brought Saul some things that he can sell. Saul thanks Charlie for saving Seth's life, and he's sorry about Bill. Charlie is withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Poor Charlie. This is when we get EB delivering the message that Al wants to see Trixie. <clears throat> Saul Starr, in real life, served ten terms as mayor of Deadwood. Whoa, he even what? became a bit of an adept at fisticuffs as time wore on. Huh? He was a tough freaking customer. Once he was so pissed off that they had incorporated another town as the county seat that during the night he went and hitched up a team of mules and dragged the seat of government onto his property. The longer he was with Bullock, the tougher he got. Awesome. You definitely could see that part of him when the guy made a comment to him about uh, liberal thinking of having um, Trixie sitting in his store in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. He was ready to defend her honor. Yeah, you definitely. I definitely got the feeling that he was ready to hit Farnham. Yeah, Farnham has that punchable face, though. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. If it had been Dan, I don't know, or Johnny, or anyone but Farnham. But Farnham looks as the kind of guy you could definitely hit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think he still would have wanted to hit whoever, you know, no matter what. If they'd said something like that, he's definitely sweet on Trixie. There's no two ways about that. But yeah, Farnham does look like the guy you could take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except yeah. he's a slippery bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> ah, he's too moist. I can't catch him. <laughs> he he does. He looks, you know, he didn't even have to say that his hands are sweaty all the time. He does <laughs> give off the sweatiness right yeah. on screen. Even though you can't see the moisture, it just, just looks like he should be sweaty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And smelling of mothballs. Yes. <laughs> Which obviously his mothballs didn't work because his clothes are half eaten away. That's yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. As are the doctors. There's something about the, the shoulders on everybody's coats are all worn away. Which it's kind of funny because I haven't had shoulders wear away nearly as much as like seams and and you know, other things like that. Everybody's just they're all hulking out all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's like it. Breaking through the suit. Do you think jackets. it's from? Do you think it's from carrying stuff all the time? Could Probably. Be. That might very well be. Also, pieces of lumber on their back. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably wearing the coats in all weather, and so the the uh, the shoulders are always getting wet and stuff. And then yeah. if it's wool, it would you know, or cotton. Either either one would get start getting like start breaking down if it was damp all the time because there'd be no way to dry it. Once, yeah, that's true. Once it's wet, other than like by a fire, which wouldn't help either. It's, it's just not the same time. <laughs> yeah. And, and to fix it, you'd have, you can't just buy material somewhere. Somebody's got to actually weave the stuff and make the fabric. So you've got to order fabric and things are just a lot more difficult to, to do. Yeah. Although Flora sews. Yeah. Though. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. She's quite the little housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we'll get back to her. I was scared for Trixie. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want her newfound independence to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Or for her to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She definitely, I mean, Trixie, I have down, like, she's, she's a brave woman. She's also playing a dangerous game. She keeps playing that dangerous game. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I didn't notice her too much the first few episodes, but now I'm totally invested mm-hmm. in the Trixie storyline. Now, when, I don't know how it seemed to everybody else. I'm curious because when, when she gave him the explanation and she stood up to him and basically said, okay, send me back or kill me. Just make up your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got the feeling that he was really turned on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. She said something similar to that in the pilot. Yeah. Um, do what you're going to do to me. Yeah. And then it's, don't you tell me what to do. Right. Yeah, that got her a smack. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it it seems like, yeah, it seems like whether, he, I wasn't sure whether he was going to kill her or whether he wanted to kill her, whether he, you know. what Kill her or fuck her? Yeah. I'll say it since you you couldn't. <laughs> I was not going to say that word, of course, <laughs> because that word would never pass my lips. But I know. Cop- kill her. Kill her. You're trying to think. Of, you, you're trying to how to phrase it. <laughs> shall yeah. I? Shall I, shall I kill or copulate? Yeah. <laughs> um, or assault her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. I definitely got the idea that, in a weird sort of way. That line that she's walking actually is what's keeping her alive with him. Like, well, Al respects her, yeah, for her, her bravery and her assertiveness. And Trixie's banking on that, and that's going to keep her alive. Mm-hmm. I just looked up the little girl, and all her pictures show her as a platinum blonde. So it's not the. Uh, does she have a five head? She does have a. Lo- well, she has bangs in both pictures. That's, That's probably what you gotta nice. do. Yeah, you gotta do it. And maybe you know what? I wouldn't. I wonder if she had bangs in real life, and they were they were disguising the bangs, and like putting something on her hair to pull her hair back, and that's what made it look so weird. That could be. It's weird because I think of kids from that era all having bangs, or do they not? <laughs> now I don't know. Well, she's European. <laughs> I think boys definitely a lot of times had bangs because they would have like bowl cuts. Yeah. But I don't know about girls. I guess they did it differently in Europe. I see. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Flora tells Joni that she doesn't think her father is in camp. She's not a fool like her brother and not a virgin either. She had a boyfriend in Buffalo, but he was rough. Yes. Later, Sai tells Joni that Flora is an interesting piece of strange, and they'll handle the brother even if they have to kill him. Yeah, she's the plot thickens with her when she started in on, mm-hmm. on that. I hadn't suspected at this point um, on my original viewing that she was a con artist. I just took from this that she's not as innocent as her brother thinks she is. Yeah, mm. I don't understand how they're going to con anybody out of anything. They have no power. Not yet, Except I guess. Except for their, I don't know. I have this broom. Play, they, can play, they can play up their innocence, though. Yeah, they have the power of people underestimating them. 
mm-hmm. I guess. We'll not, see how that works out. Yeah. I get the feeling that they've been doing this for a while, so I I don't know. I think that's part of the, the mystery. I thought it was kind of cool that they they threw that in and and uh, that it is really hard to see how they're going to what their play is. Mm-hmm. What is their their plan? Andy Kramed walks into the Bella Union. Cy has destroyed his belongings. Then tries Cy tries to pay Andy off, but Andy doesn't want the money. Though he stuffs the money down Andy's shirt and Andy turns around and leaves with it, so <laughs> mm. I would have taken the money. Yeah. It burned and all my Cy's, stuff. Yeah. Taken yeah. more than shame that. in taking the money from the guy who left you to die. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's right. Didn't you yeah. have to die? <laughs> he transported you out of town to die. Right. <laughs> Left Into him in the, the bracing woods. air. Yes. Bracing <laughs> air. I definitely would have taken the money. Yeah. And said, more money. <laughs> Where's the rest of it? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Definitely. But it's interesting that Andy no longer wants to get anything going, any cons or anything. He's he's done with Cy. And Cy yeah. is, a, is a little hurt because he's like, well, what would you have done if you were me? <laughs> You couldn't. You couldn't stay here. I had to get you. I had to get you out. Yeah, that's. Uh, don't blame Saw. Uh, don't blame uh, Andy for not wanting to deal with Sai, That's for sure. How can he trust him? Can't. No. No. I've got a quote here from Powers Booth. This is something that we talked about in an earlier episode. But Tolliver originally was a riverboat gambler. Those guys, they were ruthless. Before the Civil War, people took their entire crops to market, and they came back with the money, and the guys would hit them up on these riverboats, at the tables or other scams, whatever they could do. A lot of people committed suicide because they lost the money that was supposed to support three generations of their family. Oh, jeez. Wow. So, yeah, Cy's ruthless. That's a good word for Cy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trixie tells Al that Bullock's sit down with Alma, and she can report to Al what they discuss, or Al could rip her fucking guts out. Trixie surmises that Alma selling the claim had nothing to do with getting high or not, and a sober Alma is more likely to leave the camp with the girl. I also think that Al sees some wisdom in this line of thinking. Yes. But he did he did almost rip her guts out through her crotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> I'm just I'm just amazed that he could grab her in such a way that it hurt through all those layers of cloth. <laughs> He's got an eagle-like grip. He's got like a lobster claw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of layers to women's clothes in those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any additional thoughts on Alan Trixie? Just interesting that he chose to grab her crotch to threaten her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, an interesting tactic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not really... It's not the first place I would have thought of. Unless he's thinking, he like grabs her thinking, this is mine. Maybe. Maybe, uh, or maybe. This belongs to me. I'll ruin your money maker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I I can't think of a. That snatches Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) It says Al Swearingen on it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, wait. Is the Wait. snatch actually branded? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> a figure of speech. You sure? 
Well, it's not a figure of speech because no one said it before the show, but. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't think literally is it branded. No. Because, I mean, like, if you work for one whorehouse, I'm wondering, do they own you for life? <laughs> oh. Life. Uh. They tattoo you down there. Tri- Trixie's, uh, Trixie's crotch says copyright Al Swearinger. <laughs> <laughs> 18, whatever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining her at, a, at another whorehouse and someone pulls her pants down and copyright. Oh, nope, get out of here. I don't want any lawsuits. <laughs> Charlie arrives at the number 10 saloon. He wants Tom Nuttall to tell him how Bill was killed. The man who was struck in the wrist by the bullet McCall fired testifies as to what happened. <laughs> that guy's hilarious. The bullet crippled the hand he used to write, and he will take that bullet to the grave. Is he trying to get a buck for his story, or what was he doing? He he already tried to. Remember, he wanted yeah. to be put on the record at yeah, the I remember, trial? I remember yeah. that, but I don't know what he's yeah. doing here. I feel like he, it's his moment of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. I noticed he can, like, he can hold his cards just fine with that hand later on. Mm. We get a lot of uh, shots of Tom Nuttall r- rolling his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> he's just kind of a jerk that's looking for... Reflected fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Tom Nuttall take his hat off when he's talking to Charlie? Yeah. yeah so. Sort of like a, a moment of respect for yeah. Wild Bill. Yeah. Yeah. When he asks yeah. to tell him about Wild Bill, he takes his hat off. And... I really like that. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. nice gesture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upstairs in the Bella Union, Joni asks Flora if she likes how her gown follows. Flora is like, whatevs. <laughs> and Joni says she's got to do a better job of acting the part and she's going to be a whore for hire which is basically the same speech that Sai gave Joni about you're here to create an atmosphere mm-hmm. oh. so we see Flora smiling because she's very good at pretending mm-hmm. should have been the, her first clue that was an interesting exchange between the you know I thought I just had to do that for the customers and then her saying you don't never know who the customer is going to be um, yeah. Was she coming on to her? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like she was coming on to her, and mm-hmm. then, and then when they turn back, and she's like, uh, Flora puts it right back on her, saying, "You know, I like it when you smile." Mm. It was almost, it was almost a power thing, you know, like turning it back on her. Yeah. It was a weird dynamic going on there. I have this quote. I'm not sure if I should read it or not because it. I don't think I don't think this comes up in the episodes. It's Joni backstory, but I don't think it comes up later. But it relates to Flora. Okay. Go ahead. So this is from Kim Dickens. Joni's mother died when she was young, and she was sexually abused by her father. Then he turned their farmhouse into a whorehouse. Joni was the first whore, and she was put to task turning out her little sisters. Mm. She knows she has to turn Flora out, but she is reluctant at playing this out of her original sin. It reminds her of her sisters, and it just breaks her heart to do it again. With that awareness, she comes to a new place in her own development. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So, speaking of daddies, is daddy going to show up one day in the form of a John? No. (laughs) To Flora? (laughs) Oh, that's scary. (laughs) But do you think there really is even a daddy? No, I don't think so. Oh, that's right, because I wrote that note as I was... I only watched it once. Um, Then we find out they're kind of like a 
Yeah, they're grifters, and we don't even know if they're brother, really brother and sister, or if there ever was a dad. Or well, I mean, obviously there was a dad at some point, but yeah, I love it. They're playing some part. Yeah, yeah, mystery. They're scheming. <laughs> they're little schemers. I hope they get the best of Al. That would be awesome. <laughs> Do you really want to see the the lead? villain quote-unquote on the show be brought down by a couple of no. kids i i feel like they've like had a lot of success in the past and they need to be brought down a peg by trying to swindle al and they've met their match mm-hmm. fine maybe that would be better <laughs> i just think it'd be funny <laughs> i love al <laughs> <laughs> well at the pest tent joey has finally succumbed to the smallpox so long joey you're cherry Aww. which one was joey yeah, <laughs> that, that's mean. Have we I seen it before? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Joey. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Who's Joey? <laughs> I know. Um, I don't remember. Well. <laughs> I don't remember which one Joey was. I know he's he the one who looked like that. a young Will Forte. Joey. Joey was the one that Al made take the guy out to the woods, right? No, oh. he was the guy that. Oh, he was the one that was supposed to go to the oh, Nebraska the pussy. Guy. Yeah, the messenger guy. He's who, a, he died a virgin, right? He was, mm-hmm. Yeah, he died a virgin. Okay. Aw, poor Joey. Okay. He worked in a whorehouse and died a virgin. Irony. Poignant. <laughs> <laughs> the Reverend tells Jane that Charlie and Seth found McCall but handed him over to the authorities. Jane asks the Reverend if he's drunk, and the Reverend says no, and then has a seizure. <laughs> and Jane is like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Doc tells the Reverend that his schedule may be bringing on his seizures and causing chats with the divinity, but the Reverend proposes maybe God has given this, given him this affliction so that they could chat. And the Doc says, yeah, maybe. I love that. And he's like, maybe consider God wants you to go to sleep. (laughs) I I love that, that whole exchange between the Reverend and the doctor. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I loved it. Oh, that was absolutely fantastic. I love that during this, Jane is just listening. And she has tears in her eyes. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. What's she crying over? Just, just how like she's sad. She's sad for the Reverend. Just how she's... nice of a guy the Doc is. Or... Well, I mean, Bill is dead. She's, you know, this kid Joey just died. She's trying to keep everybody alive, and now the Reverend is is doing this, and there's a whole spiritual component, and. If God, if God is speaking to him or not speaking to him, that has certain things involved with Bill and Bill being in a better place. And I would imagine there's all kinds of stuff going through her head. Yeah. She's deep. Jane is deep. Yeah. David Milch writes, Reverend Smith was a real person. When I began to do my research, I discovered that he was found dead on the road between Deadwood and a town named Leed. He was going to preach there, and the sermon they found on his body was, Upon whose life shall we base ours? Upon whom better than that of the great sinner Paul? Now, I had always believed that St. Paul was a temporal lobe epileptic, and that he possibly had some kind of tumor. When Paul describes being struck blind on the road to Damascus, he is describing a seizure, in the aftermath of which he had auditory hallucinations. Does that invalidate the religious experience? If I was God and I wanted someone to write the New Testament, maybe I would give him temporal lobe epilepsy. (laughs) That's real nice. So that's the genesis of uh, the reverend's condition, I suppose. Here's a present for you. <laughs> because the real Reverend Smith, uh, he, so he never made it. Did to not Edward? was not an epileptic. He 
he was murdered. He never made it to Deadwood, or this was after he. Was- no, he he was from Deadwood, um, okay. but he was going to another town to preach, and then he was killed, possibly by natives, possibly by road agents. I'm not sure. Yeah, but uh, it's a completely different character in the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the Reverend in this show also because he really he's such a good counterpoint to all the. Very self-involved and very violent people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also they tend to be kind of preg- pragmatic. Yeah, the other characters. Yeah. Whereas the Reverend is maybe there's more. There's something more. Uh huh. Yeah. People can be good and violent and bad and violent, but most people are violent, <laughs> or they're out for they're scheming and they're manipulative and all of that and. You know, this guy, he's just, he's just that little tiny bubble of good person, not trying to manipulate anybody, just trying to do good work. Yeah, and it would be easy to be pragmatic in that time and place. Oh, yeah. You yeah. kind of have to. It would be a survival skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you could be prey for somebody else if you were very pie in the sky. And yeah. You, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Become a target. Yeah, I mean, the Reverend doesn't really have anything that anybody would want, which is probably something that he almost does on purpose. Mm-hmm. Because that keeps him out of all of that stuff. Well, Mel still hates him. Yeah, <laughs> but, do. you know, but Mel hates everybody, doesn't she? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. No, I think he is in- incredibly irritating. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I like him, but I wouldn't want to be around him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying I want to invite him to dinner. I'm just I I like him on the show. No, every time he comes on, I just I can't I you can't even. I can't even. <laughs> you just I don't know, and then and then when the guy died, he was just like, "Oh, he just went to dust." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> time for another funeral. Yay! <laughs> now we know why he's in Deadwood. They have such a high body count that he's this is where he wants to be. He goes where he's needed. He does seem to enjoy them. Yeah. Funerals. Well, it makes him relevant, you know. Mm-hmm. It's something he can do. I don't know, though. Some Pick hymns really, and things. Some people <laughs> really enjoy it when other people die. <laughs> like, my grandmother really enjoys, as, like, she's, every time I see her. So who she, died? She, yeah, she'll come over to my parents and she'll ask, oh, did someone die? She'll open up the papers. Did someone die recently? <laughs> <laughs> but she just loves it. Like, she's always been like that. She's mm. just like, did someone die? It's like That's her. Like it's like her. She loves the gossip. It's like her TMZ. Yeah. It's misery porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These obituaries are getting me all hot and bothered. God. <laughs> <laughs> A man named Terrence follows Flora. He wants to pay to sit with her. She tells him he better mind her brother if he wants to stick it in her tomorrow. Okay, this is like for her first, well, what we know of her first trick or whatever. Mm. It's like the oldest dude ever sticking it in her. Mm. You can't. And now he's obsessed with her. (laughs) He knows how to play him. Yeah. No two ways about it. I don't yeah. think you can turn away a trick when you're a whore. <laughs> no. 
You know, it's just like, ooh, but ooh. <laughs> that was an interesting combination of of very blunt and that refined sort of thing. It it does give the impression of you know someone who's very young. Well, she's introduced at the beginning of this episode as being such a, a waif. Mm-hmm. You know, she has to lean against Dan for support. Right. And, uh, oh, my, my, my father, my daddy, have you seen my daddy? And then now it's 30 minutes later and she's, yep. yeah, if you, if you want to stick it in me, we'll do it tomorrow. We gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things to he do. Gives her a do- he gives a dollar to her anyway because she's swell. You're swell, Flora. <laughs> You're a she's, she's, she's a cold operator. Yeah, yeah, she's still establishing the whole brother thing of, oh, yes, he's very protective. I assume that that's what they're going to use as part of their thing to, there's going to be something having to do with her brother being protective of her. But don't know. Don't know what their plans are. Well, she's definitely one of the most two-faced characters we've seen so far. And I love it. Which is some. <laughs> yeah. I love it too. I just, she just swings from naive and sweet to shrewd. Yeah. It's a good. Yeah. It's a great, and it's a great performance from Kristen Bell. Yeah. 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 It's good, but I think she'd want to keep the shrewdness more under wraps still at this point. I don't think she's shown it to anybody except uh, her brother, really. And she's kind of hinted to, Joni. Yeah. Yeah. To Joni, she definitely has shown that she's not the sweet, innocent thing. And with that, I don't know, with that old man, she could have played a little more sweet and innocent. It kind of came out a little bit. Although, you know, I wasn't going to say it because it's a quote, but the way she phrases it is so, so upper class, so when she basically makes an appointment with him her the her phrasing i just laughed when when she said it and wrote it down as a quote but so she's still as she's being blunt on one way but she's using this very refined proper way of suggesting when he could come by and making an appointment with him <laughs> and when she goes into the gem Dan tosses out a drunk and gives the the drunk seat to Flora and offers to get her some soft cider or sarsaparilla. Mm-hmm. Soft cider. Soft cider. <laughs> yeah. Soft That's cider. hilarious. Uh, I think I'll have a, a cider. Soft cider, <laughs> little wee little one. Yeah. Don't yeah, he's creeping me out. <laughs> yeah, it's a little much. Keystem Summers, and that was before he did what he did later. Ah, uh, yeah, from Bates Motel. What's his name on the show? On this show, he's Dan Doherty. Yeah, Dan's creeping me out. Dan was creepy. This is the first time he was creepy, but he was creepy. Yeah, I know. He was creepy. Was he creepy or just really protective? Did he see her maybe as a little sister and like, oh, God, look what they'll do to her? I don't know. No, he was touching her hand weirdly. The first time they met, he was touching it provocatively. He didn't need to, and he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a reason that that first thing I wrote down was Dan is creeping on Veronica Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, the hand lingered a little too long. Oh yeah, no, he's he's definitely like he wants her bad. 
But there is a protectiveness. I mean, he, she definitely has fooled him entirely. He thinks she's, you know. The bee's knees. Innocent little flower. <laughs> innocent little flower, and he's going to be her big protector. She could take him for all he's worth with, you know, right now. Mm. No problem. Seth recaps the events of the previous episode to Saul. He came upon a burial, and the Indian had to kill Seth, but do it hand-to-hand for it to be honorable. Seth is upset about how little sense it all made, and he reckons that the Indian saved Jack McCall's life. Mm-hmm. Seth wants Al's recommendation on who should essay the widow's claim, and Saul is confused why. So, when you say that uh, Timothy Oliphant's a bad actor, I can see why in this scene. Really? Yeah, I, why? Thought, I thought he just was awkward. Hmm. Really awkward delivery. Uh, I- I thought he sold that the killing that guy in that way uh, affected him. No, it was awkward. Hmm. I he had me. Yeah, no. I liked it. Although I mean, that native didn't fight like hell. He danced and taunted. <laughs> He's yeah, described they kept saying, fight, he, he fought, fought like, like hell. hell. No, well, he didn't. He, he, did. Went, <laughs> he did after 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 the taunting and everything. Once they started actually fighting, well, he did what he was forced to. Yeah. Yeah, once they started actually fighting, he, they were pretty brutal with each other. Oh, yeah. You would be if somebody was... Yeah. You. But, I mean, I want to know how long he would have just sat there and danced in front of him. And, like, would he have left him alone eventually? Don't know. We already discussed this. I think we did discuss this. He was going to... No, didn't we, didn't we settle on perhaps he was just trying to intimidate him? I don't know. Maybe not. Don't know. I mean, um, Charlie seems to think that he would have killed him. Because because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know. Hard to say. Well, there's a long thread on the IMDb message boards. Don't go read it. Spoilers. But uh, it's about T- Timothy Oliphant's acting. <laughs> yeah, and? Eh, just disagreements. People go back and forth. They don't know if it's the acting or the character. I think he's fine in uh, doing face acting. If you put it on mute, I think it's his line delivery yeah, that gets me. Maybe it was awkward this time around. Like I noticed it. His, his lines are always through gritted teeth. Yeah, which I guess could be a, an acting choice. But I feel like he's one of those actors. If I put the the mute on and just watched him, I would think that his performance is really good. But the way he speaks, there's something about it that just seems a little off. Yeah, it's it seemed really. The dialogue is more comfortable for other actors on the show. Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't bother me at all. Hmm. Yeah, I I haven't picked up on that. Me neither. I feel like most times he doesn't have much to say anyways. So I feel like that works for his, like, you know, it works for him. Hmm. Yeah. Very rare that he speaks. So that's why so far it's, yeah, it's been okay with me. But this time he really had a lot to say. And I was like, no, this is weird. It's not right. (laughs) It's like Batman. is he, like the, is he the lead on um, Justified? Justified. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you seen that, Matt? I've seen half of the first season. Do you have the same hang-up? I didn't. No. No, I think it's the I think it's the dialogue. The dialogue I, I of Deadwood. I yeah, I think it it trips trips him up somehow. Hmm. I don't know. I I like it. I I thought this scene was um was interesting because it was the first time that we've seen Seth let loose with what's going on inside him rather than just channeling it into anger. You know, he's, I mean, all along he's just, 
been channeling everything pretty much in anger and just gritting his teeth and dealing with stuff through his anger. And now he, he actually let out that this whole thing with the fight and everything else just kind of rocked him a lot. Well, do you have any information or insights through books or commentaries about why they cast Timothy Oliphant, what they liked about his audition? I don't. Hmm. I did have a quote from Timothy Oliphant. Let me find it. I am not a bad actor. Actor. <laughs> Does it start with I am not a bad actor? <laughs> no. He says, the challenge of playing Bullock is his bare simplicity. Can I play a character where I, where I just hit my mark, be still, look at the other person in the eye, and trust that nuance and complication and all the stuff will still be there? Stuff. Makes me think that he's, like, unsure of what he's doing. Mm. Sounds like it. I think it's there, but some of you guys don't, so... No, it's there. It's just not there when he's speaking. <laughs> it's. Huh. I, I do agree with Matt. I think in the face, he's got really good facial expressions. Like, when he's angry, like, I like, I like his facial expression when he's angry. Like, it really sells me. Hmm. But, yeah, like, just this one time, it's just the, what he had to say. When he came into the, when they came into the fort with McCall, where they were looking for McCall, mm-hmm. he can look dangerous. <laughs> mm. You know, when yeah. he looked, when he came in there and he was looking around for McCall, if I had been one of those guys, I mean, they all started looking at him kind of like, uh, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. And for really good reason. Yeah. Really good reason. So I just want to clarify for, for one last time, I don't think Timothy Oliphant is a bad actor. No. I just find that in this part, the dialogue, he tends to struggle with the dialogue a little bit. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I that I don't like him now. in the no. show. I, I like him in the show. I can see it. I can see it now. I never saw it before. You've turned Mel to the dark side. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still disagree. No, I still like him too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. No, I like the character and I like, and I like Timothy Oliphant. I just don't think he nails every line of dialogue the way that, say, Ian McShane can or, um, Robin Weigert can. Yeah. And they have really long monologues. Yeah. And they nail them all the time. Yeah. Is Robin Weigert, is that Farnham? It's no, Jane. Calamity Jane. Oh, Calamity Jane. Okay. Yeah. Every, she's had these very yeah. strange yeah. little soliloquies and they just seem to suit her so well. Yeah. Yeah. She nails them. And there are, and there are good actors who are just sometimes they're not cast quite well. Or they come up short compared to their peers who are doing phenomenal work. And he's probably quite young too. Like, was, he didn't look very old there. I also he was feel just like, inexperienced maybe. I, I also feel like a certain amount of it is the role, what you're seeing and stuff. Because you look at the role of, um, Ian McShane or, you know, Calamity Jane or, um, and you have less to play with as, as it's a harder, Seth. it's a harder part. Yeah. As Seth. Yeah. You've got a lot less to play with. He's so, he's such a contained character that it's, you know, it's a lot easier to chew the furniture and stuff like that than it is to be, as he put it, he, the one who's just still and holding himself in. I mean, he's, 
And that's one reason I've liked the performance is because, you know, you can see him just holding everything in like he's going to burst any minute, but he doesn't. He's just, you know, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of rage in there. And, and now there's a lot of confusion and, you know, the guy's really wound up tight. Yeah, I've never had a problem. <laughs> so far. <laughs> well, you Stick can direct your hate mail to me. <laughs> with us, Emily, you'll have problems. <laughs> we'll make some problems. Well, it is dusk, and at the gym, Miles tells Flora, Swearingen is funny. He's a funny guy. <laughs> also, which place would make a better score? And Flora says, why not take both? Aha! They are con artists of some sort. Did this shock everyone? Um, Kinda, yeah. I don't think I saw it coming, yeah. I didn't see it coming, but it made perfect sense as soon as... I think we were when we were trying to figure out which episodes to watch, you had it on the title screen and I saw it. What? So I got spoiled oh. on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the I, DVD a, title screen? Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to... What was the title of the chapter? I tend to speed read. It no, it wasn't the chapter, it was just like the... Oh. Um, the main screen, like when you have for the, the episode, oh, so it was like a summary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that sucks. I never no, on DVD people. No, I just <laughs> I I have a tendency to read things if like there's words in front of me, I just like I just yeah. read them right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always hit yeah. play as fast as I can. <laughs> no, I was just like mm. three seconds was all you need. So if you if we want to trap Mel in a room, just keep giving her stuff to read. She <laughs> she'll be able to stop. <laughs> happy i'm always happy at a doctor's office or a dentist i'm just like looking at stuff just reading whatever <laughs> yeah I, I read all the charts and everything they're all over the wall <laughs> yes mel's yes. like evil willow she just like puts her hands on the on the the uh <laughs> the paper the and the word the words just get absorbed into your arms oh yes that's what happens well as seth walks into the gem al is at the bar eating some canned peaches <laughs> is he really Yes, he is. He's eating yep. with those peaches. Oh, yeah. I had a chuckle. Someone's got to do I it. Wrote, I wrote peaches in all caps in my notebook. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I bought too many damn peaches. Peaches! <laughs> he brought them into the meeting, too. So I feel like he should be... He, he needs to... His next project is going to be writing a cookbook on, like, 50 ways to prepare peaches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, he seems to be just fine with him right out of the jar. So I, I just really want him to write a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it would be delightful. It would be like full of swears. Well, why don't like, you write like, it for him? Like fucking Peach Melba. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. Peach fucking cobbler. Yeah. Johnny asks Dan what he thinks of Seth demanding to speak to Al, but Dan's thoughts are occupied by the drunk who is staring disturbingly at Flora as Dan stares disturbingly at Flora. Sorry, the drunk. <laughs> this is it's like weird. Did you see the way that that guy's looking at that girl? You mean the, the way that you're looking at that girl? <laughs> what? That, that, that delighted me, though, just the way, like, <laughs> the, drunk, the drunk, though, he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, You're pretty. <laughs> In Al's office, Seth tells Al to pick someone to assay the claim because whatever they find out, he's holding Al accountable. Al denies involvement, but Seth ain't buying it. He knows that E.B. Farnham has been the go-between. 
So Alice basically says something to the effect of sleep with one eye open. So it's like, yeah, you too. And that's when Johnny calls out because there's a, a fracas down below. Dan is holding the drunk against a pillar or something. And Al orders Dan to let the drunk down. And that's when we see that Dan has had a knife in the, in the drunk's belly. Mm. That was yeah. a, that was a yeah. gross uh, sound effect. <laughs> it's all for you, Flora. See, it's all for you. <laughs> Flora's like, thanks. <laughs> that's that's great. <laughs> You're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> What was he expecting? Was he expecting her to be like, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come here, man meat. <laughs> You're so big and strong. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know that he did it for her so much as he just did it because he was... He's intense jealous. about her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Agreed. It was kind of about her instead of for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Al offers two free drinks to everyone in the joint and drinks for the rest of the night for those that help with the disposal of the body. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody jumps, jumps up, yeah. 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 Well, in fact, there's a guy in the background, and it's in the captions, too. He's like, I'll help. You <laughs> <laughs> yes. say, like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. You guys dropped a shoe. I'll get the shoe. <laughs> and Dan tells Al, I warned him not to look at her. I warned him. Hmm. <laughs> Go. Dan's got it bad. Yeah. Is there going to be repercussions? It's probably not. <laughs> for for Dan. Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound. Good. Not from that killing, but I would imagine there's going to be repercussions by the fact that he's got it so bad for a grifter. Yeah. I just meant, was Al going to punish him? But it doesn't look like it. Nah. I don't eh, it's, it's bad for business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he cost Al some money, so... Al might sure. dock his pay or something. He must. He probably gets one if this happens again. <laughs> yeah. Al beat up Trixie because she killed the guy. The guy who was beating on her. Mm-hmm. So she, you know you can't be doing that to my customers. You can't be shooting them. Mm-hmm. Well, this drunk was a customer too. True. I want to see him beat up Dan. <laughs> Slap him around. So nighttime in the graveyard, Jane tells Bill that Joey passed, but the frog-looking fella survived. She draws on Charlie as he comes up on her. Don't sneak up on people in cemeteries. <laughs> Charlie wants to know why Bill let Jack McCall do him in. Jane doesn't know. They take off their hats so Charlie can tell him the rest of the news, but Charlie can't. He just can't. So Jane puts her hand on his shoulder. No. It is so sweet. It this was such a sweet scene. I loved mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. They were just both completely fine talking to a grave, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, can I come back tomorrow? She's like, uh, I don't know what she said. I'm not the boss of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love how the show goes from the violent scene where you're like, oh, God, that's that's horrible. That drunk was just killed, to this scene where it's so sad and sweet mm-hmm. and then becomes very funny very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does that well. There aren't many characters that jump across those lines of tone, except for maybe Al. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Al's in a lot of funny scenes and scary scenes. Anybody have any theories as to why Jane seems to have a hard time being nice to Charlie? They, s- can't they remember, just clash. can't remember if they said why she doesn't like him. They just established that she doesn't like him. Yeah. Was that just- I think she likes him. 
She just finds or him. Or he thinks she doesn't like him. No, she just finds him. Fr- I think it's like, I think it's like, I don't want to be insulting, Matt, but I think it's a little bit like our relationship. <laughs> Sometimes you really annoy me, but I still like you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I get frustrated with you and I'll yell at you. <laughs> but, but I still like you deep down inside. Oh. <laughs> Insights into your marriage. <laughs> yes. This is uh, Get, just getting like, uncomfortable again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest here, guys. There's nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. At the beginning, part of me wondered whether she was a little jealous of Charlie's relationship with Bill. Well, that was what I was going to say. There's possible. She just was so into Wild Bill, you know. That might have been. Like, possessive. Mm-hmm. I think she just teases him. And she has a lot of bluster, and she doesn't want Charlie to see how soft she is inside. But at the same time, she can't help but like Charlie, because Charlie is so likable. So they're like siblings. Yeah. Ooh. They, they <laughs> love each other. Sorry, like I siblings. just compared my my relationship to Matt to this relationship, and now you're just saying that they're siblings, <laughs> and now I'm getting grossed out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh. In our very last scene at the hotel, Trixie tells Alma she has to go back to the gem. She can't lie anymore. The next lie that she tells will be her last. Alma asks if Trixie might want to take the girl and leave, but Trixie shakes her head. Alma just doesn't get it. There's no life for Trixie in New York. This is her life. She's going back to it. So fuck Seth Bullock if you want to fuck a Mrs. Garrett, but do it and leave the camp, and maybe you will live to hear the girl speak her name, which is Crevlorn Swath. We already established that. (laughs) Trixie leaves the room. Alma looks at the girl. End of episode. Friendship over? I don't know. Uh, I hope not. But I think that Alma d- just doesn't get it. Well, no. It's not- she has no idea what Trixie's life is like, but right. in a way, kind of, though, when we were talking before, and I said that Alma has always been owned by men the same way Trixie is owned by men, but... Alma has got a a get out of jail card right at the moment. Yeah, but Trixie she has means. I mean, technically, Trixie could, if Trixie wanted to, she could parlay this whole thing with Alma into getting out of Deadwood. But I don't think she can conceive of what that, how she would actually pull that off. Yeah, she could, but that's so big picture. I don't think Trixie is. There yet, yeah, yeah. She'd have to have a whole lot more faith in herself than I it think. Feels she, like she Trixie's does. trying to push Alma away here by being mean to her as well. Yeah, kind of like how you tell a dog, "Get out of here." Yeah, I don't love you. Go, <laughs> get out of here. Be free. Damn it, your puppy dog eyes. Yeah, she calls Alma a rich cunt. Yes, I don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't like being. I don't like that she was mean to Alma. You guys but... are supposed to be friends. When Trixie says, uh, <clears throat> when our, rather, when Alma says, you could go to New York, I could have my relatives there see you established. Trixie says, what the fuck? Like, are you insane? Yeah. Like, they're not going to take a prostitute and set her up in New York City. Like, wh- where is your head, girl? <laughs> That's how she said it, too. Yeah. <laughs> where, is your, where is your head, girl? <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, people did reinvent themselves a lot thing is that there was no internet <laughs> yeah there was no internet and you know she could change her name and all of that stuff most likely her past would have found her at some point but 
there are stories of people just totally reinventing themselves and and starting over with a totally different you know background and everything else she certainly could try but at this point Trixie cannot conceive that that is an even even a possibility yeah, yeah. don draper ain't it spoiler uh, alert yeah <laughs> I think it takes a certain kind of personality that you have to really have faith in, in your ability to to pretend to be something other than what you are or or find that part of you that is different from what your circumstances are. And I definitely agree. Trixie is not to that point. Maybe when she goes back to the gem, having been out in the world, having been with Alma and with Saul and seeing these good people who are you know, in this, in, in a different environment, maybe then she will realize that, oh, I don't want to be back here. I thought I had to come back here, that this was my place, but now I have the, have the wanderlust. I have to get out of here. Well, Al got, has her in her clutches, you know, excuse any sort of <laughs> what that might mm -hmm. mean literally. He's got her in his <laughs> Yeah, he does. He, he sure does. But you know, that has an effect psychologically. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's it's very it's very plausible that just Alma planting that seed that she could have that, you know, could have lasting effects that she really, you know, flips out at right now. But, you know, once she kind of cools her head and even thinks about like someone like Alma would even suggest that and help her, all yeah. of those things could lead her on a path to actually doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I can see it. And you know when when uh Seth and Alma had that scene together and they each agreed that the other had changed or was different, not had changed, but was different. I've thought the same thing about Trixie. I mean, she is comporting herself very differently. She looks very different. You know, this, these 10 days have really given, definitely given her a different viewpoint. And Al basically says the same thing when she comes in and he's like, well, look at you type. I don't remember what he says, but something like that. Mel, originally you said that you didn't like Alma, that you, her aristocracy rubbed you the wrong way. Do you still feel that way? No. Uh, I think it was maybe... Uh, she seemed maybe more a a aristocratic when she was uh, drug drugged up. Because mm -hmm. she just talked like... I don't know. like more. It just, it just gave her an air of being more... Superiority. Superior, yeah. But yeah, that, I just mistook that. I'm sure that's don't, a part don't of her. Free Alma is much better. Agreed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, she is. I like I like her better now. Only that we've we've only seen a little bit of her, but I look mm -hmm. forward to seeing more. Well, who wins the body count prediction? Who does? Who does? There were drum roll. Matt does. What? You guessed two. There were two deaths were two. this episode. Yeah. Yay. Mm -hmm. Joey died of the smallpox, so sad, and the drunk was knifed in the gut by Dan Doherty. Mm -hmm. Good job, Matt. Yay. Good job. I used Yay. witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt, you predicted that Seth will return to the camp full of rage, <laughs> and also the townsfolk would throw a parade. Ah. Yeah, he he returned to the camp kind of uh, in a melancholy yeah, yeah. state, kind of mellow, I think. Yeah, he had, he'd get all his rage out. He was the opposite yeah. Yeah. Saying that Bullock would be in a rage is like a no-brainer, and yet... <laughs> yet? Yet? 
Mel, you predicted that he will return on a unicorn that is also full of rage, farting rainbows. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Jack McCall would be impaled on the unicorn's horn. <laughs> Don't we love your predictions? Damn it! <laughs> so close. Carol, I didn't have a prediction from you. Really? I listened to the segment twice, and I couldn't find where you made a prediction. Oh. Only that he would, only that Seth would return to the camp. <laughs> you win! You win! Hey! And then he tried to suss out, like, what, what would be different, that, that, that would be the focus of the title. And you couldn't think of how it would be different, and it kind of wasn't, so. It yeah. wasn't, really. So. Pretty straightforward. First bit of feedback is from Nutty Melody. Melanie. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Whatever your name is. Name? You, with the fro. <laughs> yes, fine, I will read it, but next time get my name right. <laughs> okay. No promises. <laughs> oh. Um, okay. Uh Kristen Bell? I didn't know she was in this. Okay, so she is sweet, but way easily turned out. Pretty sad. I think she would get treaded treated better at the Bella Union over the gym. But it is it's not a life that will last her well. Dan has a crush on her too. That's so sweet. Uh, is it? <laughs> I like seeing him be nice to her and bashful. Oh snap! Wait, the brother and sister aren't so innocent. They are con artists, but they aren't even brother brother and sister. Oh, poor Dan. Dang Dan! He killed the drunk. Yowza! I kind of love how Jane, Doc, and the Rev are together. None of them should be friends, but they have a common goal, which is nice. Poor Rev. Seizures are getting worse, but I like how the doc is trying to reason with the Rev. I like that she keeps calling him the Rev. <laughs> <laughs> Jane and Charlie at Hickok's grave is my favorite scene. They are so cute together. Jane, how do I know who's there? It's fucking dark. <laughs> Jane, sure, what the fuck you asking me for? I don't make the rules. <laughs> I love that she <laughs> Seth is poking a bear with a stick. He isn't being smart. Saul having a crush on Trixie is adorable. Yes, it is. Alma should leave. She won't, but she should. Still want Alma to have a Massachusetts marriage with Trixie or Jane or someone. Don't think it's going to happen, but I can hope. I wonder if Alma isn't leaving because she knows she will be married off again once she returns. And here in Deadwood, she has some real power. Hmm. Signed, Nooches. That's an interesting thought, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Anyways, yeah, thanks, Nutty. Thank you, Nutty. Thank you for the feedback. Mm. Nutty's probably right. Yeah, she probably is. Yeah, because, I mean, she was a cash cow once. That's no reason to think that she wouldn't be again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you want to go back to the East Coast, back to New York, and, and resume that old life mm. that got you addicted to laudanum and nope. subjugated nope. you? No. And I wonder, too, if she has kind of, like... Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's her family that got her addicted or if she has friends back there. You know, like how some people that get addicted to drugs have those friends that kind of help them along. Well, yeah, that's probably what is happening in her case. I mean, <laughs> hey, you'd probably like drugs. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> if, in that case, it probably would be more like something like. Oh, honey, you know, you can get through it. Here, tr take some of this and it'll help you. Mm hmm. Yeah. You can get through being married to this idiot. Yeah. But there's got to be, like, s some. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just wondering if someone kind of was controlling in her life and they kind of, you know. Her father, what? remember? Yeah, I don't us, remember. Yeah, they told, she told us that uh, her dad had basically married her off to this guy in order to pay his own debts. But is he the one that kind of gave her the drugs? No, I doubt that very much. It would probably be either family doctor or some, you know, one of the female friend of the family, same social stray in the uh, who just someone who felt bad for her. Yeah, you know, a friend trying to be helpful. Mm. You know, whatever. But her dad, yeah, she remember she gave had that little monologue to. uh, to Trixie. To Jane. About, to Jane. Jane, yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you. Right. It was Jane. She's standing next to the window, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. she, and she talks about how, um, she was married off to this guy in order to pay her father's bills. Mm-hmm. So she's always been pretty much as much of a, a commodity as Trixie. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, she was controlled by her father and then she was controlled by, her husband, and now she's free for the first time in her life. She's she's on her own. So if she goes back to New York, she uh, she'll probably be right under the. She could also be under the thumb of her father-in-law, because mm-hmm. her husband used was constantly talking about his father and having to answer to his father about the money and all of that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. You know. if, if this claim pinches out, I mean, if it really is, if she can get it o- operating. Uh, and she could presumably have someone oversee it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she could go somewhere other than New York. There, there are options other than going back to New York or staying in Deadwood. She could go anywhere. Mm. Yeah, a lot of For the a first lot of time, time she has options. Yeah, a lot of times people in that area would head to Denver or San Francisco. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking California. Yeah, San Francisco was big at that point, and Denver was big at that point. Not Los Angeles. Los Angeles was just a little village. She should go to San Francisco and pop up on Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's uh, the th- uh, second season. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Our next feedback is from Harold. Harold! Would you take this, Matt? Okay. Bullock Returns to the Camp is an odd episode title. (laughs) It does have an old-timey chapter title ring to it, and it is amusing that he returns to the camp just in time for another funeral presided by the Reverend. (laughs) But it's not like anything hinged on his return. Uh, I would prefer calling this episode Kristen Bell Shows Up on Deadwood, (laughs) but I guess that title is too meta. Here she is, a con artist working both sides of the street in more than ways than one. Who would you like to cross... The least, Al Swearingen or Cy Tolliver? Hmm, good question. From what I've seen, Al. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Al. I feel like Cy so well. is too. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him have anyone killed yet, have we? I think well, he threw that guy in the woods, but yeah, I mean... but he didn't order his death. No, <laughs> he's not ruthless. I don't think as much. And he hasn't killed anyone with his bare hands like Al has that we've seen. Cy Tolliver is much more the businessman. He's ruthless businessman, mm-hmm. but he's not a um, like, a thug. Yeah, he's he like to get his hands. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. We've also seen how Swearingen's a little paranoid mm-hmm. about certain things, and I feel like 
you can convince Cy Tolliver not to kill you if you can make a, a good case. Mm-hmm. Like he would see your point of view and not want to uh, harm you in any way. Whereas Swearingen, you cross him once, you're, you're, you're a threat. You have to be taken out completely. Right. I feel like, yeah, paranoia makes him more dangerous. Yeah, I think Cy works for, kind of from fear. Like, he he's nervous about stuff. But Swearingen ra- works from paranoia. And he's just always ready to lash out. Mm. Uh, this episode features a noticeable softening of Al Swearingen. <laughs> yes, he grabs Trixie, <laughs> Trixie's snatch and threatens her, <laughs> but he doesn't harm her. <laughs> he doesn't try to maneuver or force Kristen Bell's character into working his whorehouse, and he really warms up to her brother, showing him the tricks of the trade and treating him like part of his created little family of gem employees. Even his joke about how the gimp sweeps came across as being made with affection. Well, not towards the gimp. <laughs> uh, I, I give this seven clown outfits out of ten. How much do you guys think that Swearingen's um, friendliness towards the brother is only a way in to try and get a hold of the sister? That's what I assumed. <laughs> I don't think it's genuine at all. No. Yeah, so too. Who was wearing the clown outfit? Yeah, but Sai. Sai already said we killed the brother. I mean, I'm presumably Al could reach the same conclusion. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, he. I mean, my feeling was that okay, he gave him the job to keep the sister close at hand to try and get a hold of the sister. Clown outfit is what uh, Jane accused Charlie of wearing, right? I think what she accused Andy framed of wearing when he left the pest tent. Oh, right, right, right. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember now. I was just like, there wasn't, weren't any clowns in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the clown? How did you miss the clown? He was the How most colorful thing on the screen. <laughs> he just, he just cartwheeled across the screen and you <laughs> missed it. Did anybody actually see the outfit that uh, Andrew was wearing? Cause it was just baggy clothes, wasn't it? Yeah. I never actually saw the the clothes. Everybody just was talking about it. Mm. Looking ridiculous on him. It's just ill-fitting clothes, I think, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All right. I will play some feedback from Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Yay. Hello, Hooplecast. This is Stephanie. This is feedback for Bullet Returns to the Camp. I don't know if it's because I'm still sad about Wild Bill's death or if uh, it's the, the mood that Bullock is in at the end of this episode, if um, if it's because we see Jane and Charlie, you know, still mourning uh, Bill's death, uh, I don't, uh, Trixie gets, gets into it with Alma, Alma tells her that she'll take her to New York and and I guess it's that Trixie has there's this is her fate she's this is where she's gonna be I don't know I'm just so depressed I don't I don't know what do you guys think aww oh I feel bad stuff I, I know to make that out because it sounded like she was in front of a jet engine <laughs> I think she was driving I was wondering if they were having tornadoes in Alabama <laughs> <laughs> well, if they are, she's very dedicated to get that feedback in. I and, appreciate it then. Oh, Respect yeah. and limb for 
for a sure. podcast. That's that's how you should do it. She I encourage was, everyone to do that. She was inside the tornado guy. <laughs> Flying around. <laughs> Still getting her feedback. She was on a, on a chair. Like from the so what, she wasn't yelling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can understand why she'd feel sad. Yeah. This, this episode had a real melancholy feel. Yeah, definitely. So maybe, maybe Will's feedback will uh, cheer us up. It always does. It usually does. Hello, you hoopleheads. This is Will. I'm leaving feedback for Bullock Returns to Camp. And I was going to watch this on the treadmill to try to save some time, but when I saw the nudity warning show up at the beginning, I figured I probably shouldn't watch this uh, in public at the gym. But I did watch House of Cards, which has Molly Parker in it. Pretty cool. So um, I'm glad they found Jack McCall and brought him back. I wonder if we're going to see more of his uh, legal stuff in later episodes. Is that little Kristen Bell getting creeped on by Dan? Come on, Dan. Come on. Don't be a perv. And her brother. I saw a picture of him on IMDb rocking some abs. Yeah. <laughs> I like the line, hereafter in Calamity, I'll be sure to call for Jane. Ah, Calamity Jane. Ah. And she said something about exhibiting his Johnson... Do you guys know what it's like to have a first and last name that refer to that part of the male anatomy? Oh my god. No, I, I hope don't. you don't. Uh, man, this whole episode, I was just saying, please don't make Veronica Mars a whore. I'm feeling nervous for her and I'm feeling for her brother. Then, uh, these two are both going to be so corrupted. It looks like she totally is, uh, has become a whore. I do like that Trixie can kind of put Al in his place, and I was glad that Seth was changing, but has he changed? When he went to talk to Al, it kind of sounded like his old self, you know? And I did like that sweet scene with Charlie and Jane talking to Bill. I still just can't get over Veronica Mars being a whore. It's like when your partner talks you into doing something you don't want to do, and you just have to kind of go with it. You know, it might be fine. Maybe it's for the best. Just got to trust in Deadwood. So <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. I've got to go to a get acquainted with those we like to get acquainted to. So later, guys. Bye. <laughs> Will, don't do anything that people are telling. Don't do anything you don't want to do, Will. <laughs> yeah, don't feel pressured. <laughs> and I never even put those together that both of his names can are you know are slang for a certain body type. i know i never <laughs> even thought of that either but now we have it as ammo against you will <laughs> and you gave it up <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to taunt him mercilessly next mercilessly next time i uh, see him. will if someone is is telling you to do something and you feel deep in your in your heart that it's the wrong thing don't do it don't no me pressured no. Don't feel pressured to do anything. Except send us feedback because you have to keep up the standard of sending feedback in a tornado. Exactly. <laughs> tornado feedback is a high bar, so. <laughs> you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe she was just strapped to the wings of a plane. Yeah. She was giving feedback under duress, being tortured, strapped to the wind of a plane. The wing of a plane. I did it. I fess. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steph, for what I did to you. <laughs> the lengths people will go to for- <laughs> to get fe- to get feedback. Yeah. Uh.
Claire, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the feedback, Harold, Nutty, Stephanie, and Will. Yes, thank you all. Yay, thank you. Well, we already did feedback, so let's move on to episode ratings. As our guest, Emily, would you like to go first? All right. Um, I enjoyed it. It was um, it was really interesting, and it brought on some interesting things that are coming, I feel. Um, the Trixie storyline and the Alma storyline and the Grifters. So I'm going to give it at um, an 8.5 out of 10. Oh. No idea. Eight out of eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. No ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, I also have eight and a half out of ten. Uh, Innocent-looking grifters. Yeah, I thought this was. It moved things along in some ways more than some of the episodes have. But uh, I liked the introduction of the grifters. Uh, I liked how they brought us along. That it was it was a subtle sort of a thing. That looking back on it, you could see that that they're setting people up, and you can see that they're that she's not as innocent as she seemed, and and all that stuff. So Alma's development, uh, Swearingen. Yeah, I just I liked. It seems like there's a lot of interesting things to come. So eight and a half out of ten innocent looking grifters. No. Um. Yeah, I like this episode. I like all the storylines that they're switching to, I guess. Would that be the right word? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm going, I am going to deduct a point for, uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant's, uh, <laughs> terrible <laughs> delivery. <laughs> that really bothered the, me. The thing that's bad that you guys can't put your finger on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yes, nine out of ten, uh, full speed titty licks. That's <laughs> my rating. Zoom. Zoom! <laughs> Alright. Uh, Matt. I, I liked that, the titty licking part. That was funny. Yes, I liked, uh. It's full of great parts like that. I liked all the ladies in this episode. I liked, uh, Alma and Jane and, um, um, oh, what's her face? <laughs> Trixie? Trixie, yeah. I just wrote T, A, and J. <laughs> yeah, I liked all them. They seemed to be moving along and taking control of their lives. <laughs> mm. I didn't really like the kids so far. I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, they reminded me of a Briscoe plot, which seems way out of place in this in this series. Uh, but I'll give it a eight and a half also uh, out of ten losing propositions. Which damn hand would you like? <laughs> I like this one a little bit less than the last one, the last two. A lot of good setup. I like seeing uh, Veronica Mars and her brother come into town, and what are those crazy kids up to? Mm-hmm. It's a good kind of uh, twist. They're not so innocent. And the development with Alma. It's fantastic seeing her sober. There was a great Jane-Charlie scene at the end. Dan was weird this episode. Uh, I don't I don't like creepy Dan. No. <laughs> uh-uh. But uh there wasn't there weren't too many standout moments for me. So I'm going to give this one a, a lower score. I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 bloated bodies removed from creeks. <laughs> their skin sloughing off. Ew. Gross. 
Emily, would you like to nominate your character of the week? Um, I'm trying not to have it be Jane. No, I'm a guest. It's Jane. <laughs> do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> it's not like I have to do this every every time, because if it was, it'd always be Jane. Okay. <laughs> well, you want to give us a reason, or? I think she's fantastic. I think the actress that plays her, the way she plays her, and Jane herself, she just, she is fantastic. Absolutely blows me away. Very good. I agree with Emily about about Jane, but I'm not going to pick Jane every week. Okay. Um, though she definitely is pickable every week. I'm torn between the doctor because of the scene between the doctor and the reverend, which I just like so much, and Flora because she's kind of cool. And uh, But I think we're going to see lots more of Flora, and I really, really like that scene with the doctor, so I'm going to go with the doc. Okay. That was unexpected. Yeah, I know. But it's I know. I like it though. I like it. The focus is spread out over so many people in this episode. There's not like one one outstanding, you know, person or character in this episode. Everybody gets something. Mm Mm-hmm. This was a very spread out episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why I I ranked it lower, because there wasn't one thing that really made me go, ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's next? Mel, why don't you go? Sure, I... Should I just write down the reverend? Reverend. Okay, Matt, your turn. (laughs) Mel's going to be the reverend every week, right? Yeah, right. I'm giving you a Seth Bullock angry look right (laughs) now. There's steam coming out of her ears. Okay, who is your character, really? (laughs) There's no video. Um, Well, I kind of agree with Carol, where there wasn't really anyone that stood out to me. I'm going to go with the titty licker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like it. He did stand out. How could he, was he not? He a source of amusement. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> Matt? It was between Jane and uh, the doctor at first, but then I thought, no, I'm going to give it to Saul. Because he was, oh, uh, yeah. he was he sticking did... up for his lady. Oh, and that was nice. <laughs> yeah. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, this is cool. We're all picking someone different. I am going to go with Flora, because I thought she was the most compelling part of the episode. Hmm. She totally tricked me. <laughs> Not this last time. I mean, I've seen the show before, but I do remember being like, what? Uh-huh. <gasps> oh, yeah. no, she's up to something. What? Yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I just love her little, I don't know, she seems not evil, but so sneaky and devious. Mm. Kind of feel bad for Terrence. <laughs> yeah. You think she's swell? She ain't swell. No. So, yeah, I'll give it to Flora. She's a man-eater. <laughs> oh, here she comes. <laughs> that needs to be the song. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> Quotes. Guest rights say Emily goes first. Okay. For you exhibit your Johnson, I'm going to say good luck to you. <laughs> okay. That was Jane and... I enjoyed that Johnson was an actual... I didn't know that that went back so far as a euphemism. That's funny hmm. because uh, I, I we had the subtitles on, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. I, I wrote it as, um, before you exhibit your Johnson, I'm going to see to this fella. Hmm. 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 Maybe we didn't have the subtitles on. I don't no, know. No, we did. Well, we already exhibited a Johnson when we played Will's Feedback. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, we're already using it against him. <laughs> Carol, do you have a quote for me? Oh yeah, I got I got a couple. But um, going back to what we were discussing before, and Flora and the guy Terrence as they're walking along, and uh, she's saying, "If you want to stick it in me again tomorrow, you better let me get in there by myself." But then, as he asks her. He says, what time are you going to start? Flora says, 11. I guess I'll be receiving around noon. <laughs> Which, receiving. Receiving. Now, that was that was the way people would talk about receiving visitors. You know, I'll be, yeah. you know, I'll be in my sitting room, you know, having tea and receive, you know, making tea for my gentleman callers type way of speaking. But, of course, that's it also ends up being a double entendre with receiving. Right. That's where the confusion came in last week when Alma, in the context of Alma and Saul, when she was receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about how she was not being very, sounding very innocent and stuff when she was talking to Terrence, I mean, she's talking about receiving visitors <laughs> around noon. It's a rather refined way of saying that she's going to, she's going to be open for business. <laughs> Open for business would be another way yes. to Ooh, fra- phrase that. About. My. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Next quote needs to involve a penis of some sort. <laughs> okay, well, Matt and Mel will let you guys fight it out. You stole my only penis quote. <laughs> Mine does not involve a penis, so. Mine either. You go ahead, Mel. I... Uh, the only other thing that I, I wrote was the uh, really weird, creepy quote from the reg- Reverend. <clears throat> Has young Joey gone to dust? <laughs> I'm just so excited. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got, uh, you want to feel a damp palm, Al? Select either of these hands. <laughs> Pass. No, thank you. <laughs> Mine is an Al quote. Sometimes I imagine in my declining years running a small joint in Manchester, England, catering to specialists exclusive, and to let them know they're amongst their own, maybe I'll operate from the corner, hanging upside down like a fucking bat. (laughs) (laughs) Great scene. I also liked, now I'm going to lay this cloth on your fucking lips. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I... I just love the Reverend and uh Doctor scene and uh the Reverend saying, Could not the lesion be the instrument of God's instructive intrusion if I am so afflicted? And the doctor, well of course it could be, his ways not being ours and so forth. <laughs> but could he not, Rev Reverend just wanted you out of here and getting yourself some goddamn rest? Love it. <laughs> And I like when Jane says, yeah, the doc's tired too. So <laughs> That's why he's being so harsh. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's making excuses for him. Oh, I, and I just love, again, how she was so teary-eyed during that. Yeah. She's, her heart is so big. Mm, yeah. She's such empathy for other people. Oh, love it so much. I still yeah. want to see her be a badass, though. I want her to, just, to be some sort of Western badass and punch someone or shoot someone eventually. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. I don't even know if that's her reputation, but I always assumed. Well, she was 
she was quite a shot. I mean, she she uh, did go on to be in the Wild West show and stuff as a marksman. Okay, yeah, I don't think we've seen her fire a gun yet. No, I don't think we have. She's threatened to a few times, but... I have another owl quote. We teach a special sweeping technique here. (laughs) (laughs) That was so weird. (laughs) So mean. I trust you know 2% of nothing is fucking nothing. (laughs) Any other quotes? No. Nope. No. Well, I have one more. Do it! Do it! It's between between Flora and Joni. I thought I only had to act with them that want to stick it in me. You never know who that might be, Flora. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, eh? eh? (laughs) What? I just pictured, like, a run-by sticking. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's a new one. It's much harder to do. (laughs) Now I'm just imagining a competition between the uh, titty licker and the... uh, Run-by sticker. One by run by sticker. <laughs> They're gonna do it out in the thoroughfare. They're gonna have like and on your mark. I, I, I don't quite think Go. that's fair. I don't quite think that's no, fair. I not. think you can't time that. <laughs> well, you think the titty looker has an advantage? Yes. <laughs> I think so. Okay, well they have to space the whores out farther <laughs> for the titty looker. They have to make it fair. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like how uh, in the in when they run races, the guy in the inside track has to start farther back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're Deadwood Olympics. <laughs> I like that we're trying to make this fair. Makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next episode is episode eight. Suffer the little children. Ugh. Suffer the little children, huh? Suffer the little children. Hmm. Don't like the sound Let's of that. For a prediction. All the whores are gonna get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, that's a biblical quote. Right? Yeah, it's Jesus, um, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Yes. I'm sure it has something to do with these two little little uh, rapscallions that just appeared in this episode. Is Jesus going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> with all the children at his side. I would guess it has more to do with suffering children than sitting on Jesus' lap. Well, we're all God's children. <laughs> Sorry, did so... you say suffering children on Jesus' lap? So the children are suffering because they're on Jesus' lap? Phrasing. No, it was, a, it so it was an old style of phrasing, suffering. Have yes. them Instead of, you know, I'm saying, I think it has more to do with actual suffering as we know it today than have the little children come see Jesus. Maybe it's not children like young people so much as God's we are all children and we're all suffering. So perhaps the plague um, gets worse. It's not hmm. as contained as they'd like it to be. I think I know what it is, guys. Hmm. There's like a caravan of children that arrives at Deadwood and then they all have to be made to listen to the reverend's sermon. <laughs> Suffer the little children. <laughs> Very literal. <laughs> perhaps too literal. That's cruel. And then they're made to like uh, uh, pan the river. (laughs) Have any of the the earlier episodes been um, biblical quotes? No. So I'm wondering if this was... Uh, Well, actually, uh, Seth returns to the camp as a biblical quote. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I'm wondering whether it has to do with the reverend. You know, um... In that, do you think he's going to take in those kids? 
You mean the ones that came on the stagecoach that you had coming on the stage? No, I don't no, think. No, I mean no, the, no. the grifters. I think it's really. I really think it's going to be about these grifter kids. It could be the grifter kids, but mm. I don't know. That just doesn't sound right. Somehow, I'm probably totally wrong, and it's probably them. But I don't know. I, I'm thinking maybe it has to do with the Reverend, and uh, I mean he's been re- the epilepsy or whatever's wrong with him has been ratcheting up. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm coming to a dead end. Okay. So, actually, maybe right. this caravan of children that are going to arrive to Deadwood—they're <laughs> also grifters. So it's going to be stiff competition from now on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's too many grifting too children. Many grifting. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get anything it's like, done. It's like Oliver Twist out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, do you have a prediction? Oh, I think I just gave some out over the course of that discussion, I think. No, I don't think you did. Uh, it's going to be about the grifting children that just came into town, and they're going to make everyone suffer by, like, <laughs> pulling scams on them. Okay. Do we have a body count prediction then, Matt? Uh, Do you think they're murderers? You won this week, so keep the streak alive. Do you think those grifters Conjur- are also murderers? Conjuring my black magic again. Uh, one, huh? One death. <laughs> do you, but do you think those grifters can also be murderers? Sure. What do you guys think? Murderers? Yes, no. Ooh. Oh, I think they could kill somebody, yeah. I don't know if that's part of their plan, though. I don't know if Miles could. Flora looks like she could. Yeah. Yeah. She could cut a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. Oh, man. Oh, that's another prediction. Her and Joni are going to get into a cat fight. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think murder is part of their plans, but I think if it came down to it, uh, Flora could definitely kill somebody. So, Carol, how many people are going to die? They're going to they're gonna try to swindle gonna, Al, and Al's going to kill. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say only one person's going to die. Okay. Mel? Mm, do children count as people? <laughs> like a full <laughs> person? <laughs> yeah, last I checked. Yeah. Still counts as people. <laughs> mm. I don't think you should count these children before they've showed up. <laughs> So. What? I'm not, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just taking everything into consideration. <sighs> Three. Okay. Hey, I'm going to add to my prediction that it involves um, what it, whoever the square-headed, whatever the square-headed girl's name ends up being. Oh, yeah, she's a kid. And maybe Alma, too, along with the reverend. There's... I'm going with the idea that there's going to be some kind of connection, those three. I have no idea. Okay. Well, we will find out in two weeks. Episode two eight. Two weeks? So long. Two weeks. <laughs> but you can watch it now. Yes, you could go watch it right now if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, but if I go watch it now, then in two weeks, then I'm going to have to try and figure out what happened. And I'm going to have to watch it again. And then I'm not going to remember what my first reactions were. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. True. <laughs> I guess. You've got troubles. Uh, or you can just take notes during the first first watch and then watch it again and take more notes. I always take notes while I'm watching it. Or a podcast. We're also going to be recording on a Saturday in two weeks. Right. So everyone who's listening to this, after the, I've posted this episode, keep that in mind to send your feedback in. Plan a, a day early. And for those people who are listening to this when it's posted happy mother's day what time are we doing it 4 p.m eastern on saturday okay okay the 16th 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. And if you missed our recording of the next episode, send our feedback for the episode after that. Even if you're in a tornado. <laughs> yes. yes. As we've already established, there are no excuses for not sending feedback. Yes. So. And if you're listening to this a year from now, I'm sure that you can send in feedback for our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is or you can- Stephanie sent her feedback in when she was inside a tornado. <laughs> That's right. You can do it too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nothing stopping you. Nothing. St- what's stopping you? Wow, I missed something exciting. Use a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are listening a year from now, you can send in feedback for Freaks and Geeks instead. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be on episode. Yeah, that's the Kinley cast. (laughs) Freaks and Geeks intro cast. We should be finishing up somewhere down then. We have. Let's invite the guest to uh, plug her internet (laughs) projects. Oh, yes. Carol already got you started, so... (laughs) So um, I am also on Freaks and Geeks, but I'm one of the ones that have actually seen the series already. And I also do a podcast with my sister um, about the Base Motel, which we've, I guess we've already talked about a little bit. That one's called Yes Mother. Um, also, we like to talk about what else we've been watching. And so that kind of evolved into my sister who had never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It evolved into <gasps> her watching it. Gasp. Yes. Gasp. But um, I'm doing something a little unique where I'm allowing her to binge watch. So we, we d- right now during Bates Motel, it's a little different, but normally we discuss three or four episodes at a time. So she, and she's finding that to be very enjoyable. And it's that she gets to keep watching. What's that? It's fun to listen to, too. Well, good. I hope it is. Yeah. It is. It's it's enjoyable. Yes. I I particularly like when you talk about when how an episode is ranked by the fandom. Uh-huh. Versus overall and in the season. That's always an interesting bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And I like when you make her guess which we watched three episodes. One is one's ranked twenty-two. Oh one's, yeah. One's number eight, and one's number one. And and have Sue be like, "Well, oh, I think this one's number eight, and this one's nope, wrong." <laughs> <laughs> I like doing that too. We'll have to make a note of doing that more. Yeah, that's fun. And I got very used to hearing, "Welcome to Yes Mother," a podcast about the A and E series Bates Motel. But while Bates Motel is on hiatus, we're watching Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Bates Motel only has ten episodes a season, so we've got like most of the year where we're not talking about Bates Motel at all. But we're, we've just actually switched, but we're in the process of switching that we're making a separate podcast for it called Sue Watches Buffy, but it's not around right now. So it's, I don't know, we're, you could find it. <laughs> just Speaking go to Yes Mother. Speaking of Freaks and Geeks, though, the first time I watched that, well, the only time I watched it, when it was all done, I felt bad. I felt like a horrible person. I was like, I never knew about this wonderful show, and I didn't watch it, and it's my fault. It's gone. Yes, that's how. It is your fault. That's how I felt about Arrested Development. <laughs> of course, that came back with Netflix, but yeah. yeah. I watched Freaks and Geeks when it was on. I didn't miss an episode. Oh. See, I watched a few of them. But and then when, uh, when it came out, I bought the yearbook edition from the Shout Factory, oh, wow. which is awesome, and I love it so that's much. That's the one with all the commentaries. Yeah. Yeah, look, it was look, so well put together. Yeah. 
forward to hearing the commentaries once we're done. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Anyway. Matt and Mel, do you have any projects you want to talk about? Always. The Twin Peaks podcast. Uh, that's the name. We got it because we <laughs> were the, the name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> that's the name. Don't wear it out. We got that simple name because we were the first one. And um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what we make a Terminator podcast. I'm on that with Will Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Johnson. Old Willie Johnson. Um, <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> Poor Will. Oh, <laughs> you know, there's a golfer named. Willie Wood and my husband and I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. See, well, your name is not so bad after all. At least it's not Willie Wood. There's always a Willie Wood out there. <laughs> you could be named Richard Cheese. Yeah, you could be. <laughs> and that's way worse. <laughs> also, Defenders Podcast. Oh. Why am I doing your work for oh, you? Yeah, shit, shit. But yes. I knew I forgot something. Well, I'll plug it because I was just on uh, episode three of the Defenders podcast talking about Daredevil, Rabbit in a Snowstorm. No, I have an interesting bit of trivia. Your Twin Peaks podcast is the way I discovered Buffy. Oh, well, really? Yeah, just nice. Um, I was watching Twin Peaks for the very first time, and I'm like, wow, I've got to hear a podcast about this show if there is one. And I looked it up, and I found you guys and yours. You were only in the first few episodes, so you had just kind of started it. And so I was listening along and watching, and you kept mentioning potential cast, and I'm like, hmm, Buffy's Vampire Slayer. People must like it. All right, I'll give it a try. Nice. And I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's awesome. It's funny how things work out. Yeah. yeah. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us this week. As always, you can find our information at hooplecast.com. That's where we post archived episodes, show notes, links to our discussion threads, etc. And we will see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everyone. I mean, fuck you. Oh. <laughs> that was, was now, way now. more sinister. Language. <laughs> that was like... He <laughs> kept looking at her. I warned him. <laughs> Stop looking at her! <laughs> yeah. Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring. My summer wine is really made from all these I walked in town on silver spurs the jingle too A song that I had only sang to just a few She saw my silver spurs and said let's pass some time And I will give to you summer wine Summer wine Strawberries, cherries And an angel's kiss in spring My summer wine Is really made from all these things Take off your silver spurs And help me pass the time And I will give to Summer wine Oh, 
Let's do our introduction. Oh yeah, part. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Alphabetically. Back to remember? the beginning. Right. Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts. Oh, Carol. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought they were. That happens yeah, so they weren't quickly. Me. Usually, nope. it seems like there's a longer intro. Sorry. There's a lo- there's a longer build up. No, yeah. it's sorry. All right, we'll we'll, we'll do it again. I a, must B, C, D, e, <laughs> And we're not the only podcast that has problems with this because I've I've heard. <laughs> Indeed, you're not. I've heard other podcasts <laughs> really have, they really struggle. <laughs> we don't usually screw it up, but usually. You know, usually I get it right, but okay. Sorry about that. Well, with uh, four people, is that how many there are of us? Yes. It, it, sometimes getting on the same page could be uh, we, tricky. We don't know the alphabet. We just do it. Al- we don't, you know, don't the, know the alphabet. Yeah, we don't know the alphabet or math. Because <laughs> <laughs> nope. we're just a bunch of hoople heads. Okay, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google Happy the Horse and see what comes up. Oh, no.
I'm going to bing Happy the Horse. We'll see who comes up with better results. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of bad drawings. I see, like, a blue horse with a, a unicorn thing. <laughs> I don't even know Happy, what's ho- Happy Horse, a children's book of horses. <laughs> what the heck? While you guys are looking, I just... I was looking at my notes, and... Because uh, they're taking him off to... What was it, Yankton? Yeah, Yankton's the big town nearby. And I was like, <laughs> okay, there's no double indemnity where there's no law, so it doesn't matter that he was tried already. <laughs> yeah, I see that that picture. I've seen it was slightly different. That's the closest <laughs> image comics. <clears throat> but I found a book called Happy Horse, a children's <laughs> book of horses, the first book in a wonderful new series of happy horse adventures. This book gallops through a child's day from playing at the playground to visiting and petting Happy Horse. It introduces <laughs> concepts of right and left in a unique fashion using the footprints of Happy Horse to show directions. Other concepts are being careful and listening. The Uh-oh. book ends with a good night to our new friend, Happy Horse. Come <laughs> read and ride along with Happy Horse and his friends. Preschoolers, kindergartners, and first graders will love this new book just in time for the holidays. You should uh, do a commercial for this, man. You just did. <laughs> I just <laughs> did. Sounds like you just did. So, come one, come all. So, <laughs> has so nothing Seth, to do with early utter, but <laughs> Seth, Seth is lamenting the loss of his children's learning book here. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of these reviews, Winston Nugget says, "Not what it seems." <laughs> he writes, "The wording on front of a children's book of horses misleads the buyer because it." seems as though it's about different types of horses when in fact this book is about happy horse and only makes mention of happy horses friends such as runny horse <laughs> runny horse oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i'm just picturing i'm just picturing like a goopy horse <laughs> i'm just picturing a horse with irritable bowel syndrome <laughs> runny horse oh, no. <laughs> 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 Oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) What happens next? (laughs) Dan is creeping on Veronica Mars is what happens next, according to my notes. But then once she turns out to be a grifter, it's like, oh, well, that makes all makes a lot of sense now. If if the gem was a pro shop, she would be the one who, who could get Dan to show her how to hold a golf club. (laughs) <laughs> the proper golf stance. Oh, yeah. she would definitely have Dan showing her all kinds of stuff right away. Mm. Is it like this? <laughs> I'm no good at golf. Do, <laughs> do I hold it like this above my head? A tee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. At the pest tents, the See, reverend. You guys have done this before. <laughs> <laughs> What end? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I discount on golf clubs. (laughs) 
Private lesson. I just love these two women with mm-hmm. such different backgrounds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if she was a real, if Alma was a real friend, she would have put a baseball bat on the ground and spun around like 20 times and then got in the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, a trick you learned at the sporting goods store? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a nice young man taught it to me. <laughs> and then you fell into his arms. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>, woozy. Oops. <laughs> Can I get that a discount? Bye, Mel. Bye. You're good. Well, I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten. Bloated bodies removed from creeks. <laughs> their skin sloughing off. Ew. Gross. Oh, that's the sound of skin sloughing off. <laughs> Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, yeah. it buzzes like a bee. Wah, wah. You got people following me in all different... <laughs> Sorry, I have to laugh. I was trying to pull my chair forward and the cat went on it, and I couldn't pull it forward because the cat is so heavy. <laughs> oh, wow. He's really big, guys. At least some weight bowler. Show enough. <laughs> Show enough. <laughs>